when is a truly awe-inspiring moment born? One that captures our imagination and takes hold of our emotions. It's born from grandeur, from spectacle. And it's in that moment when time seems to stop that we hold our breath and a legacy begins. Through resilience that's unmatched and an audacity that's unwavering. Through uncontrollable ferocity and an unyielding fortitude. Through an immeasurable greatness and a will that's unbreakable. Tonight, at this global event, this universal stage, whose storied past is rivaled only by the promise of an even bigger future. Millions will watch from around the world, waiting, anticipating for that next breathtaking moment. The stage is set. The time is now. History is at hand. This is WrestleMania. Then up next, Lawler and Michael Cole are shown playing with some action figures. They seem to move on their own like magic. I'm, you know, I, what are these Harry Potter wrestling figures? I mean, love it. Oh, I love these. Are you? Oh no. They look terrible. Like you just sat there watching them spin around. Well, <laughs> I, I remember I, you used to have me wrestling figures in each hand and you were going, oh, no, this, that and the other. And then now you just well, wind them up, stick them up. Oh, that's brilliant. You just spin around. No, I thought they were shit. I tell you what, this is this is the old man in, in us kind of coming through now, Alex, I think. But um, I'm kind of with you. But I've been kind of there since... Like when wrestlers started wrestling action figures used to started, sorry, to be able to move their arms individually and move their legs yeah. individually already. That's too much. Like, I just yeah. want something that goes like, you know, two yeah. both arms do exactly the same thing. And the yeah. legs, they all they do is spin at the waist. There's no there's no individual leg movement. And the reason is, is because that's what I used to use. And it was so much there was so much um, what's the word I'm looking for? Imagination that went into mm. using those that. And actually, I think it's actually more hard. it's more difficult using the ones where the legs move individually. It just seems yeah. harder to use them in a wrestling match. Time's yeah. moved on, gents. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I remember not getting a Hulk Hogan figure, so I used the He-Man figure as Hulk Hogan. <laughs> it looks similar. I've never had any wrestling figures ever. Oh man, you missed out. You missed I, out. I've had time. many wrestling belts. But never oh. any figures. Oh no, wrestling figures far better. Yeah, yeah I mean, to, to be honest, we, I mean, me and Tom kind of shared the figures we had. So we had about, we had a good lot of them. We had about sixty odd, and we we had about three different Hulk Hogan's. We had the Hogan that was just like the slamming Hogan, then we had the Hogan that was that smashed his fists together in a kind of a bear hug, bear hug kind of was yeah, the natural yeah. position for Hulk Hogan. Can't remember what the other one was. 
Um, but you'd use all the figures for different people because you couldn't, because we didn't have the newer wrestlers. So we didn't have like anybody from the Attitude Era. So it was kind of like, well, who can we use as like, you know, The Rock or whatever? And it just you try to find someone so that would look vaguely similar. And they didn't look at all similar. No. They, you might just find one thing in about them that made you, rem- rem- reminded you of The Rock. And you'd be like, I'll use that. I'll use that guy for for, for The Rock. And it's like, yeah. it doesn't look a thing like him. It's just nothing. Great, great times. I- I will say about the toys, though, even though I thought they looked terrible, I did think it was really funny when JBL was twatting Rey Mysterio's toy on the <laughs> desk. I thought it was quite funny. That was good. That was funny. Hello and welcome to the Random Wrestling Review. I'm Ben Spindler and today we are all forced to accept you should never say never as once in a lifetime became twice in a year at WrestleMania 29 with The Rock and his defence of the WWE title against John Cena. I'm out of breath already, this is ridiculous. (laughs) Joining me today is the CM Punk of the Random Wrestling Review. What's that? He's a visionary who revolutionised the industry by challenging its tired accepted truths and who hit heights of performance rarely seen. No, I mean he's a contrary bastard, always causing trouble, who simply can't read a room. It's the polar bear, Matt Roberts. <laughs> See, no, I was I was just waiting for somebody to just go, oh yeah, that's because he's a cunt. <laughs> well, drop the C-bomb very early on. <laughs> yes, we have, and there he is. We also have The Undertaker of the Random Wrestling Review, a heavyweight hitter that we wheel out once every now and again when in need of some big match mega hype. It's Alex Kirkman. How you doing, Alex? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm, I'm, as I said to you earlier, I'm a bit tired. I'm running on sweets and monster, a uh, bit jet lag because I've just got back from holiday this morning. But um, I've been really looking forward to uh, speaking to you guys like I always do. So thanks for having me back. Yeah, we flew him in specially from Florida to yeah. be on the show. <laughs> the jet lag's hitting him. I've yeah. had, uh, I've had, I've got baby lag, and Matt's got two job items, I think. So we are, we're all pretty, mu- pretty much exhausted. It's also we're recording us on seemingly the hottest day of the year. That that day just happens to have landed in September somehow. So yeah, this could be a disaster. I don't know, um, but we, we'll find out as we go through. We're covering WrestleMania 29. As I said, twice in a year rather than once in a lifetime. The Rock versus Cena headlining. What are our expectations? Why don't we start with you, Matt? I actually remember the again, like I said, I remember most of them fairly well at this point. And I actually at the time I thought this was pretty good I, I know there was quite a lot of sort of rematches on there you know in firstly you know twice in a lifetime um you know the the brock triple h rematch was something that you know people were a little bit down on uh, the amount of sort of rematches that were on the show um so that the hype for this wrestlemania I'm not, I'm not sure it was as high as it had been in years prior but but i remembered enjoying it at the time so i was definitely looking forward to you know watching this or re-watching this going in alex yeah, I wasn't looking forward to it. Um, I watched it about three weeks ago because, you know, obviously I had to watch it before I went away. And I, I remember I, I didn't watch it live at the time because I was working shifts, um, but, I, so, but I had seen it. And I, I was watching it at the time and I just remember being really let down by the main event when it was announced because, you know, I, I, I loved the main event of WrestleMania 28 and I loved it because it was billed as once in a lifetime. And I love that those matches like Rock Hogan just brings to mind where, you know, you're never going to see it. You said it once, you're never going to see it again. And then CM Punk had his title reign, lost it to The Rock. I was pissed off when that happened. Uh, John <laughs> Cena won the Royal Rumble. I was like, I, I don't want to see it again. So 
it's always kind of left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth, really. And I just remember it not being very good, with the exception of one match. So I wasn't looking forward to it, to be honest with you. I couldn't remember anything about it in terms of the quality anyway. I can remember obviously CM Bunk Undertaker and that being a good match. That was it. Was the only thing I can remember. I guess I could remember that the general consensus was Triple H versus Lesnar wasn't that great either. But I, I couldn't remember. I, I couldn't remember how I felt about the show at all. So I was kind of intrigued to see it. Strangely, I was more more excited by this than I was when I was going to watch WrestleMania 28 again before the, that episode. I don't know why. I, I think. As I said about WrestleMania 28 on our review of it, I just felt like it was all very, it was just very shallow. It just didn't, it didn't feel like there was much to it. Whereas this felt at least like there was some, some, some stuff for us to talk about, which is the main thing for me. We're doing these shows now. My main, my main entertainment is, you know, what can we extract from it? What, what interesting things can we find to talk about? And I just didn't really feel like WrestleMania 28 had any, whereas I felt like there were likely to be more with this one. So yeah, my expectations were a bit like, okay, open-minded, don't know what we're going to get. Let's let's see let's see what we get. Now, talking points, I'm going to start with Alex this time. Right, I, I'm glad that you started with me. Uh, I was actually going to be a bit cheeky and ask if you could start with me, but then I thought I'd <laughs> get back in my box and know my place and just see what happens. <laughs> so my talking point, um, and you've got, I'm going to take it in a bit of a different direction if you don't mind, and bear with me. So my talking point, is Chris Jericho versus Shawn Michaels from WrestleMania 19. <laughs> okay. Alex, have you, have you, I think, I think, I think, I think you may have watched the wrong show. No, I what haven't. Show are we watching? I, I haven't. Bear with me, bear with me. Looking forward to this. So Chris Jericho and Shawn Michaels from Mania 19 is my favourite match of all time. Okay. It's not the best. I The best and favourite is completely different. Bolton Wanderers are my favourite football team. Man City are the best. Empire Strikes Back is the best Star Wars film, but Return of the Jedi is my favourite. So it's two different things to me. Um, they're all they're all shit. There we go. Carry on. What? Bolton Wanderers? No, oh, no joking. Um, <laughs> um, so, M2. Yeah. Yes, M2. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Taker Michaels, one and two. Owen versus Brett. A better match than that, but it's not my favourite. Uh, Jericho's my favourite all-time wrestler. Shawn Michaels is one of my favourites as well. And one of the main things that I like about wrestling is the storyline. So I thought that that match had fantastic build with the rivalry. The match was amazing, and I loved the aftermath with the low blow, you know, after the hug. All right? So just put a pin in that for now. So I want to talk about Undertaker versus CM Punk, okay? Now, CM Punk is the man that stopped me from bearing out of wrestling because I was on the verge of of stop watching it because at the time really really boring i wasn't very invested and i just found it a right show and then in 2011 the pipe bomb promo happened and i was immediately sucked back in i was obsessed with trying to find out whether it was storyline or whether it was a work i loved it when he he showed up at some is it a press conference with the triple h was giving when he took the title you know he took the title and he showed up at some sort of press conference loved all that absolutely fantastic and when money in the bank when punk won i genuinely popped massively so the mat the, the taker versus cm punk the video package is absolutely phenomenal and i love the idea that the, that the streak is like a bit like a championship and that obviously punk wanted to end the streak and also um obviously the main the main thing is with paul bearer dying now i'm not a massive fan of turning real life deaths into storylines Guerrero being used for the Orton Mysterio one, for example. But I actually think that it massively works with this match. 
it made it extremely personal. CM Punk was perfect in the role. The ashes from the urn when he's pouring the ashes over him, it made me feel really uncomfortable, but in a good way. And I, ju- I just wanted Taker to kill him. I just wanted Undertaker to kill him. And I'm not an Undertaker fan. It's one of the best videos that I've ever seen leading into a match. And I was gagging for the match. Gagging for it. So then the entrances with Living Colour, unbelievable. I, honestly, I've got goosebumps, literally got goosebumps saying it. Unbelievable. CM Punk comes down wearing grey and purple. Got to be a nod to The Undertaker. It's got to be. And Punk feels like a big deal. And he sat on the mat and he when the, when the gong, Taker's gong, sounds he sat on the mat and he just smiles and normally with other wrestlers there's that little bit of intimidation or they try and he's sat on the mat and he's smiling and i've wrote cm punk is the mvp and the match hasn't even started yet so cm punk is my mvp taker's entrance that happens i love the hands in the aisle way i love the silence from the commentary and i absolutely love it when punk is shouting you the man and throwing the urn up just incredible absolutely just incredible the the crowd are well up for it. It just had a massive, massive, big fight feel. And then the match. I mean, absol- it's just phenomenal. It's just perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Love it when Punk's slapping Undertaker, really trying to get under the t- under Undertaker's skin because he's saying he doesn't, he, has, he doesn't have to win it by pinfall. Paul Heyman at the at ringside shouting, it's momentum. You're, this, you're getting closer. You're getting closer and closer. Oh, the... the Elbow from the top rope and the table, which didn't break. I'll come back to that in the, in the, in the Triple H Brock Lesnar match because um, I've got a little bit of an issue with that. The sit-up from the Anaconda Vice, fantastic. GTS to the tombstone. Oh, so, sorry, I'll go back. The count-out spot. The count-out spot after the table. It, it genuinely got me. And this is an Undertaker match at WrestleMania. And I know that he's going to win it. And I, gen- I genuinely thought he wasn't going to get there in time. It's unbelievable unbelievable the two count from the urn shot when punk's doing the undertaker pause for the pin the pinfall perfect reversal to the tombstone the tombstone for the pin is so devastating absolutely phenomenal it's and um, it's perfect so it's time to take that pin out because i just couldn't stop thinking about this match after and i watched it immediately after finishing the event so i watched it again and then i thought I loved it so much. And again, I'm getting goosebumps. I thought, I think it's my new favourite match of all time. So I put it to the test. So I watched Jericho v Michaels again. (laughs) And I watched Undertaker versus Michaels 1. I watched Triple H versus Brian from WrestleMania 30. I watched CM Punk versus Brock Lesnar from SummerSlam. I watched Bret Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania 13. And I watched the 10-man tag from Canadian Stampede. And they're just matches that I've picked out with my favourite. And this is better. This is better. I've watched this match about four or five times since. (laughs) It's absolutely phenomenal. The story, the entrances, the match, the performances from everyone involved, the personal nature of the feud... It makes that this match better than all those. So I am now saying that this match is my new favourite match of all time. It might sound extreme, but I just wanted to... I, I watched those matches, I wanted to test the theory. There's something wrong if this match doesn't get a clean sweep for ma- match of the night, because it is my match of the night. I would say that there's something wrong if CM Punk doesn't get a clean sweep for MVP, but I appreciate people might want to go different. 
I could watch this match now. I'm going to go and watch it before I go to bed. Definitely going to watch it before I go to bed. I could watch it tomorrow. I could watch it every week. It is per- everything. Storyline, matches, entrances, video package. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. So it's your favourite match of all time. So you're giving it three and a half stars, I assume. <laughs> no, oh, it's, it's, it's ten, ten stars out of five. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I, I've never, honestly, I can't remember a match that's got to me. Like, and I've seen it before. But I just can't remember. Honestly, I've just been obsessed with it. I've been obsessed with this match because I wanted to put it to the theory as to. I honestly thought this is my new favourite match of all time. So I watched all those matches to test that theory, and it is. It is. It's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Matt. <laughs> oh God. Sorry, so, Matt. Follow that. I so, oh, I so so badly. Just want to come in here and just shit all over it. No, you can't. And just no, say how fucking dreadful it is. No, you can't. It's the Undertaker, you shit. What are you thinking? <sighs> but I, I honestly can't. Um, I, I really can't do it. And we'll get to my talking point in a bit. Mine's going to be, you stole some of mine. Mine's going to be a little bit of an extension of it. I'm going to kind of change a little bit. So it's all good. I went off on one. I went off on one. I was so happy that he picked me. No, 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 no. Considering how passionate you were about that topic, I I had to to let that go. Matt, tell Um, him to shut up. He's still fucking talking. I know, sorry. (laughs) I'll mute, I'll mute. (laughs) So it's all good. I mean, there are so many points that you're absolutely spot on there. I mean, for a start, this was a fantastic match. Uh, it really was. And I, this was much, much better than I remember. Um, I remember people at the time saying, you know, it was really good, back to the night, blah, 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 blah. I didn't feel that way about it back at the time, um, at least not as much. Now I thought, wow, this, this is bloody really good. Like you said, there's so many spots in there that you mentioned that, that you know they were great. Take his entrance. God knows that everybody knows at this point. I fucking hate you know zombie Undertaker. Hate that shit with a passion. But my God, that entrance looked pretty cool. You know, if, if you're gonna go all in with the bloody zombie thing, at least you know that's the way to do it. So I was like, okay, that, that was pretty cool. Punk's entrance was badass. His gear, yep, I felt was like a nod to. Like old school Undertaker, Paul Heyman at ringside. You're getting this much closer, Punk. That, that was awesome. This kind of reminded me. Um, it was a little bit of a throwback to to Edge versus Undertaker from WrestleMania 24. I felt it was it was a similar sort of blueprint in that it was Punk just counter for counter everything Undertaker did. Punk would have a counter for it. So it was a similar blueprint to that. And knowing what I thought, I'm pretty sure I know what you know. I've heard of what Punk thinks of Edge. That, that might be the case. Maybe that's what they did. But CM Punk was the perfect heel. He was just an utter prick. Um, the, the crowd loved him. It was great. Yeah, like I said. I, I mean, and do you know what? Screw it. I'll go with it now as well. This, this was my match of the night, and CM Punk was my MVP of the night as well. So I'm in complete agreement with you on that. Well, we can't make anyone happy, so CM Punk's not going to be my MVP of the night, just simply because, uh, you know, just can't. Because otherwise, we'd have two clean sweeps, because this is my match of the night, obviously. Um, yeah. It is the best match by some distance. Not as high on it as you are, though, Alex, or you, Matt, actually. Um, I was actually slightly disappointed with it. The thing is, last year, we watched CM Punk versus Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam 2013. And I legitimately think that is in my top five easily of matches of all time. I just think it's absolutely fantastic. And so for some reason going into this, I was like, I have those kind of expectations for this match too. 
it didn't hit them it didn't hit those expectations it was very good you know i'm 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 not going to say it wasn't it was very very good one of the you know one of the great wrestlemania matches but just not quite at that level love in particular the anaconda vice spot with taker sitting up just really cool bit you know excellent stuff loved by the way living color playing cm punk to the ring that was fantastic best musical performance of wrestlemania of all time in my view so far ahead of fucking motorhead doing the game that time far far ahead of limp biscuit and their bollocks far far ahead of anything else i'm not not getting into a conversation about whether limp biscuit were good or not but in their their performance in just in terms of on the night living color put forth the best musical performance we have seen with the possible exception of one or two of the america the beautifuls but yeah um no i just thought they they did a great job what I liked about it in particular is that it was a musical performance that the vast majority of wrestling fans were glad to see. And they're so rarely the case. So often they're just like, oh, is this fucking band or is this bloody person singing this song I don't care about? Like, again, I get that there are fans of Saliva who like wrestling, but that doesn't mean that the majority of wrestling fans like Saliva or wanted to see that particular song. But this song super over as a song amongst wrestling fans and i think it's rare that you get that and i put the same you know the same goes for flow rider and his performances the year before same goes for the stuff we have with kid rock like all of them wrestling fans didn't specifically want to see those things they did want to see this song and that is not a dig at any of those artists that is just simply a fact twisting of the facts <laughs> It's not. You know it, Matt. You know I'm talking sense here. This is not. I'm not talking about quality. I understand you like uh, Kid Rock, and I understand that you like Saliva, but wrestling fans in general were not crying out for those songs. Yeah. If if they put one of my favorite bands on here and they did one of my favorite songs, I'd still say the same because the, people were not specifically looking for those songs. They were looking for this. So it's really good. It's really really good. I think it's something that they should both be very proud of. I think possibly the Undertaker's. No, not the Undertaker's best. I believe Undertaker Shawn Michaels at 25 is better, but it's right up there. And it's another one of the Undertaker's great matches on this great run. I think it, it's the story that does it for me. It, 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 I mean, I love, it's the favourite thing in wrestling, the story. And if it was just the, literally a case of, it's, I want to beat the streak. I suppose, right, how do I word this? They got lucky. Not, I don't mean that with Paul Bearer. I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but that just elevate elevated this match massively for me just how cm punk was with regard oh just an absolute shitbag um, i i remember it, not oh, loving that at the time i remember not loving that at the time with paul bearer and the whole thing i also have a problem a little bit with the whole streak is a title thing that you said you quite liked the reason i have a problem with it is that like with any title if you could just you know when TNA did that thing where they had a theme impact every month or something, which which is basically someone comes out, challenges someone else, and they have to accept. Open Remember they did that? Night. Open fight night. And I was like, this is just stupid because the first thing everybody would do is run to the ring and try and be the first person in the ring to challenge the world champion. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's stupid. I feel a bit like that with the Undertaker streak. Like, wouldn't you, night next, you know, night after WrestleMania go right next year i want to face undertaker please like that's what you would do it just doesn't it's a bit silly it's just a bit silly i don't i don't think it really makes much sense i like the idea that people go up against the undertaker because they're matched with the undertaker and then 
beating the streak becomes a thing, not I'm going to face this person because I want to beat the streak. That's well, a bit that because everyone would do that. Like you'd have debutant the next night, like Bron Breaker this year after the night after WrestleMania. I'll face the Undertaker. Well, I know yeah, the Undertaker but... doesn't even exist anymore. But if, he, if the Undertaker was still going, that's what you would do. Well, of course you would. It makes sense. The Undertaker's mania streak is totally different to TNA. And and with this, they did a four. What I liked about it is before this story started, they did a fatal four way match about right who's gonna and and I, I like that because if this was real real life you'd want to beat that streak you'd, you'd want to fight the ticket so you could you, be the person who would beat that streak if it was real though you'd want to beat the streak because you'd want to win the match against whoever they were it, how do i put this like if i don't i don't know much about boxing or mma but if you had an undefeated boxer as world champion right and they they won 30 matches in a row and they'd been undefeated for seven years or something. You'd want to beat them, not because they were undefeated, but because you'd want to be world champion. And in the process, you'd beat the undefeated person. Like it's it's a little bit, I don't know, it just feels a little bit silly. And I especially find it silly that they had a four-way match to determine who gets to fight him for the streak. That's just, that's just really silly. I don't like it. I don't, I don't, it's a character thing, not a sporting thing for me, the streak. It's not a... It's not a sporting concept, it's a character concept, and therefore shouldn't be something that people fight over to get to do. It should just be, oh, you, you're facing the Undertaker. Well, that means now you get the chance to go after the streak, not you're going for the streak. So, you, so you're the one who pushes the way to the front of the queue to face the Undertaker. I, I think it made it more interesting. I mean, I mean the, the, the streak was a kind of a happy accident, wasn't it? And then, oh, yeah. And then when, when it comes to it, as opposed to... I'd, I'd don't be wrong. Ra- I'd, I'd, I'd rather it be like right a match. If you win this match, you you go for the street. Then right, let's kind of get some sort of storyline. Or oh, by the way, you've got a chance to to end the streak. Me, I mean, it's a personal thing, and it. I'd much well, rather just, it be like that. I just don't think it makes it. Just for me, it just it just seems silly. It just seems like a. I, I don't be wrong. I like. I think it's right that they promote that someone has the chance to beat the streak. I just don't think that the sole purpose of the match should be I'm going for the streak. And I guess if you're going to, what I would write, if they're going to have a match where someone sort of sees it as a title, I'd rather have someone win the Rumble and then say, I'm not challenging for the title, I'm going for them to take a streak. I'd rather oh, that. I'd, I'd love that. I'd love that. Than, than, than having just a throwaway four-way match on Raw. I don't know, it just, that diminishes it, if anything. I don't know, it just, for me, it's not, but that didn't affect my interest of the match. I just didn't, I'm just responding to the fact that you really liked it. Mm. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> What I wanted to talk about, though, this is so this obviously, we've, you know, just recently as we're recording this, CM Punk has been fired by uh, AEW. I wanted to go back to CM Punk's time at WWE and just explore this with you, because obviously one of the big things that CM Punk was disappointed with when he finished his run with WWE was that he never headlined WrestleMania. And he was obviously quite annoyed by the booking that he'd had with WWE in that last year. Obviously, he had to put the rock over twice, a part time star. He then had to put Brock, uh, put the Undertaker over at WrestleMania, guy who would only wrestle once a year. And then he had to put Brock Lesnar over at SummerSlam, who would only wrestle four or five times. But I feel like CM Punk was missing the point because at this point in time, Undertaker, Rock, Cena, Triple H, and Lesnar, CM Punk is in that category. They are the six men who are in the big matches, and they have specifically carved out a niche for Punk to fight one of the biggest stars in wrestling history on the biggest night of the year then the plan for wrestlemania 30 as much as i hated it was for cm punk to face triple h again they've carved out a niche 
for CM Punk to face one of the biggest stars in pro wrestling history on the biggest night of the year. Punk was somebody that they were specifically finding something very important to do. He would surely have headlined WrestleMania at WrestleMania 31 or 32 if he's if he'd have stuck around. And he was being booked about as well as you can be booked because he was being found special things to do at WrestleMania. I feel like looking back now, and I know there was a big part of it. There was the injuries that he was carrying and they felt like he wasn't being looked after and all the rest of it. And that that's obviously a major problem. And it, it was a major problem. But I feel like looking back now, I feel like he missed such an opportunity i feel like he was there and i think funnily enough i think vince in particular really liked him i've talked about this on previous wrestlemanias they wouldn't have given him the money in the bank if they didn't see a lot in him you know this is cm punk who's not a particularly muscular guy never been a muscle guy at all he's quite small compared to others quite slender looking in fact but they gave him the money in the bank they gave him wrestlemania matches against important legacy stars in the past and then now the undertaker and then they were planning to do triple h i don't know how you can argue about that <laughs> i don't know how you can be upset by that enter the polar bear <laughs> I, I i totally get what you're saying but i think in his mind it was too little too late especially when it comes to triple h because they'd already done it the, you know the, they already had like they'd had a big match already and triple h beat him and he shouldn't have and he shouldn't have been anywhere near beating him because at that time he was on his, you know, sort of hot run, you know, over the, the, the summer of punk, so to speak. And there was no need for him to lose. So I could easily see why he was pissed off. Because, again, it's, there was no way on earth he should have been losing, especially to Triple H at that point. So I, I could see him being pissed and then, you know, then giving him a match down the line. Because, like, he probably thought too little too late. Um, I agree. He should have beaten Triple H totally in 2011. Should have beaten Triple H. There's no doubt about that. But way to cut your nose off to spite your face. Like, it's nearly three years later, mate. Come on, like, just get on with it. Go into WrestleMania, face this guy, one of the biggest... It'll be the second match, top match on the show, without doubt. It'll be the second top match on the show. And then WrestleMania 31 comes along, you're probably going to be in the main event. Like, cause who else are they going to do? What else are they going to have? I mean, the, well, the, that, that's a whole other story. But, like, I, I don't think that he would have got to the main event. Because I, I think they, they would have put him... Well, you, you said they would have put him there, but they would have kept him in, like, the, the, the Jericho, you know, the, the Jericho match sort of spot. Like, it, you know... The, He'll always be close to the top, but never the top top. Today, with the two, uh, the WrestleMania being two nights, 100%. If he was on the card now, they'd book him the main event one of the nights, I think. If that would, you know, make him happy, tick the box, happy days. But I think as long as it was one night, he was never getting to that main event last match on the card spot. I think it was earlier than the Triple H thing. I think it was the Rock thing. I think as soon as he, he, he held that title for so long, and I'm, I'm, I think I'm right in thinking that he, him and Cena both wanted to main event Mania, and I would have much preferred that than Rock Cena. But, but I think, I mean, I think we've got to be careful. Like match, but. You've got to be careful about preference. Like It's not about preference. It's about what gets the... We, we spoke about it last week. The Rock versus Cena was either the, the most or the second biggest match in wrestling history. Yeah. Of course you're going to do that rematch. Of course you are. Like, it'd be stupid to leave that money on the table. And Punk, who's supposedly smart to the business, should know that. Like, he can't be upset about that. He just can't. It's the biggest wrestling match in history you've got to go back to it i don't care what what cm punk's done you've got to but i think once they took the title off him and this might come as a bit of a shock to you but he's a stubborn bugger is punk isn't he and <laughs> i think there was no I, I think there was no coming back from that I, I think there was no coming back from that i think whatever and and i, I don't think he did I, I don't think he'd have main event 31 or 32 because i think they'd have still gone with reigns 
because it, 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 they clearly, obviously, have pushed. I Reigns. think he would have done. I think they would have done too, but I think he would have headlined against Reigns at some point. What, thirty-one or thirty-two? Yeah, why not? No, I can't. I can't. Because well, well, okay, well I, I think they would have done Reigns Lesnar because the the Lesnar. But maybe the maybe a thirty-one, but then there's still thirty-two or thirty-three or thirty-four. There's loads of yeah. years to come. <laughs> you know, he yeah, would have got yeah. there eventually. He'd have got this chance to do it eventually. Yeah, possibly thirty-two, not a thirty-one, but yeah, possibly thirty-two. That's Triple H, wouldn't it? Um, I just, I, you know, I just think that I remember thinking at the time actually. There are only a handful of places that are guaranteed to have a big match at WrestleMania. And by this point, Punk was one of those people. There are like, literally, royalty is only, only royalty is guaranteed big matches at WrestleMania. And Punk is now one of them. But he is guaranteed to, I think we we talked about, you know, on on the bonus episode, the fantasy booking about potential for Punk to be at WrestleMania. I've been surprised by any talk of this because to my mind, Triple H was always Punk's biggest problem. Like, he, he didn't like Triple H. He wasn't happy with Triple H. He somehow managed a way of finding to work with Vince. And Vince seemed to like him. I remember the time the reports where Vince was extremely emotional about Punk leaving. He wanted Punk to come back. I think Vince really valued him. And I think he would have got a big, he would have got his big match eventually. I mean, admittedly, I think the injuries were enough of a reason for him to walk out, quite frankly. If 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 he felt yeah. if what had happened with those injuries were the way he's told it, then I think that's enough of a reason to walk out. But he does talk a lot about the way he was booked. And I think you just got to look at it and go, come on, man, you've had in one calendar year, you've had the Rock Undertaker and Brock Lesnar. You've lost them all, but you've had them in a matches. You've had them. You've made to look the equal of all three of them. At some point, you've got to stand up and go, actually, that's not a bad it's not a place, bad place to be in your in your career. Was he made to look that equal though? I think he was definitely made to look like the Undertaker's equal here, and definitely made mm. to look like Lesnar's equal at SummerSlam. <clears throat> you could argue yeah. that maybe not The Rock, but the other two definitely. But that and that's the thing: The Rock came first, and he's held that title all that time. He, he, he clearly but it's had the Rock. massive being his bonnet. His, but it's the Rock. Bonnet. But it is the Rock, like an old an up. old Rock that that doesn't wrestle. So what? I mean, you you talked about this before as well you don't like the the old guys coming in and what what but that's the beauty of wrestling that's why it's better than other sports because in any other sport you couldn't do it it wouldn't make any sense but here you can and look at rocky this is what rocky does rocky comes out of retirement and wins the thing at the end of the film like that's that's what it's about like who cares i don't mind i don't mind older wrestlers coming back the the first example that comes to me head is the goldberg Dolph ziggler at SummerSlam. I, I didn't mind that i didn't mind it but I've got an issue with it when Goldberg comes back and beats the Fiend in the main event after you've, you know, that that's and beats Kevin Owens. It, you know, it, that it's that that stick, it's that that really really pisses me off about it. And I think that this is I don't think this is as bad as the Goldberg Fiend Goldberg Kevin Owens. But I, I, I didn't like it. I just didn't like it. I absolutely but, lost my mind when The Rock beats CM Punk. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I, what I do remember watching that rumble in particular was that I found it the most boring rumble ever because mm. it was so obvious. And I'm of, of the opinion that I don't mind obvious because obvious means usually that they're booking the way that makes sense. Yeah. But in that instance, it was so just way over the top obvious. I was like, they got to do something else here. <laughs> just, mm. And they didn't. They didn't try and I, I thought they should try and take a detour at least on the way to WrestleMania, but they didn't even go there. And I just think that was a bit of a. Yeah, a bit, bit predictable. Matt, you said your turn point was linked to this, so why don't we... You know, it, was, it was linked to Undertaker. So... Why, don't we, why don't you go for it? Oh, cool. So, jumping back um, to Undertaker now, not going not gonna to be about the, the match specifically. Well, I can't, you can't talk about that, but basically, the, the reason that I want to talk about the Undertaker is something that I've mentioned um, on the, the pod, particularly 
over the last couple of shows is it's time to give the man his damn flowers. Shawn Michaels has been called Mr. WrestleMania. I'm sorry. Bullshit. The Undertaker is Mr. WrestleMania as far as I'm concerned. You want to talk, and again, I I am going to sort of be leaning more towards quality of matches, but if you look at the quality of performances that that man has put on over the last few shows that we've seen, it's amazing. This match versus Punk, fantastic. Matches against Michaels, fantastic. Triple H, some people like both, some people didn't, but at least one of them, fantastic. His previous one with Triple H, fantastic. Randy Orton, good to great. You, you know, Batista, fantastic. You, you name them. He's just faced for, for a good couple of years. Edge as well, you know, another one again. Just quality opponent in quality match, year after year after year after year. And as much as I like Shawn Michaels and think that he's also had some epic WrestleMania matches, The Undertaker's the guy who definitely deserves his flowers on this one because he's just been the guy. And not only that, but, you know, how important the streak has been for a lot of fans who, you know, don't necessarily get everything that goes on in wrestling. They know this guy's unbeaten. God, I can't wait to see what happens. And and to this day, and I I don't know if I've mentioned this on the pod before, but an old school friend of mine, there's there's a group of friends that I, I used to be really good friends with. And one of them in particular hated wrestling. But even he watched Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 25. And I heard him talking about how good it was, despite the fact that he freaking hated wrestling. And as soon as I heard that, I thought, oh, crap, hang on now. Because I hadn't had a chance to catch the show yet. I thought, bloody hell, if he's saying it's good, I'm really going to have to go up my way to see it. And, of course, you know, the, to first take a Michaels match was fantastic. But like I said, I, I just feel that, you know, The Undertaker, I, I feel, of course, he's listening. He deserves his shout-out, Mr. Undertaker. You you know, for the quality of matches you put on, I applaud you, sir. Mr. Undertaker. I'm not sure that's his name. Well, that's what I'm going with. Um, Is it Mr. Undertaker? M- it was Mr. Taker. Undertaker. Oh, God. <laughs> if it was, then he definitely isn't. <laughs> worthy of anything so i'm just quickly doing some thinking you're saying michaels times two triple h times three punk batista edge what else are we including in that list orton i suppose i put orton in yeah, there orton, yeah. yeah okay i like the match with bray wyatt as well it's not as good as the others but I do like it i know that you're gonna oh. cover that in a few a few uh, weeks i like that match as well I mean, first of all, Mr. WrestleMania, I don't care. Like, who cares? That's not a title. That's not a title either. Just like the streak's not a title. Mr. WrestleMania is not a title. We don't need to reallocate it for someone else. It was you just a. You, damn it. It, it was just a promotional tool for for Shawn Michaels. All right, we don't need to give it to someone else just because they've outdone <laughs> Shawn Michaels in terms of overall quality. I think what we're talking about though, who who is the MVP overall of all WrestleMania, basically, aren't we? That's what we're talking about. And I, I think the Antic is a very, very worthy person to bestow that honour on. I'd have to really think about it a little bit first before I agreed with you totally. But I, you know, I don't have a huge problem with it. I suppose it depends what matters most. Is it great matches or is it drawing? The the, the age old argument on this show really is is what what matters more. Does it matter if you draw or does it matter if you put on a great show? Both of them matter, um, and I think one leads to the other. I'd say one is uh, a way to help the other. So if the more you entertain, the more likely you are to draw. But doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be a great entertainer to be a great draw. But that does help, certainly. And that's the thing that I would say Undertaker falls down on, is that he's not really been the main draw of many WrestleManias. He's been the main draw of a couple of them. They weren't particularly big ones. Certainly WrestleMania 26 against Shawn Michaels was one of the, the least pay-per-view buy rates of that sort of period. 
right the way through from about 21 right the way through to to to, to the end of pay-per-view and this this particular pay-per-view in fact this was the last wrestlemania that was a pay-per-view in entirety so yeah i think that's that is the mark against the undertaker if you want to bestow that mvp of wrestlemania on 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 him anyway any thoughts alex well well it's the undertaker at wrestlemania i mean i mm. i love the streak as i've already said um add some poor ones in there i think well yeah I, i'm on for one of the shows that is coming out with in a couple of months' time, terrible, terrible match. But yeah, yeah, like I say, it's the, he's the Undertaker at WrestleMania. It's always a, an attraction, always a spectacle, no matter who he's wrestling. You know, Undertaker, Brock Lesnar at 30, not a particularly great match, but so you know, I was really, really excited for it, and it just that is, I think it. When you reviewed that and Tom said that it's the most shocking moment in wrestling history, I have to agree. And that's because of the un- how important the Undertaker streak is. But yeah, no, as for WrestleMania MVP, again, I think I'd have to look. I'd have to look at the other ones. I mean, I'm, I still think Brutus Bar- Beefcake's got a shout. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, tell you, I, I tell you what, his previous, previous storyline brother, Hulk Hogan, has a shot at being MVP yeah. of WrestleMania, in my mm. view. Yeah. Headlined the first night, headlined the first nine WrestleManias. After all, I mean, arguably not WrestleMania four, but I mean, the only match that was advertised before the show was Hogan Andre rematch. So you could and, argue and he, equally that he was the headliner of that show. Well, he was. He was still stood tall at the end. So yeah, he, was. <laughs> he certainly was. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I think there's a good argument for him. But anyway, something to maybe talk about. And we I have thought about this. Maybe next year we'll do a sort of WrestleMania awards show overall kind of thing. And so that may be something to consider at that point. So my talking point, God, I don't know what I'm going to talk about now because I think I've gone over one of the things I really want to talk about was let's talk about, let's do it anyway. John Cena versus The Rock. Okay. Alex, you, you mentioned the fact that you were disappointed because they did say it was once in a lifetime and you were, you really enjoyed WrestleMania 28 as a consequence of that. And I, I would say that they could justify it by the fact that the biggest match in wrestling history they're not going to turn their back on that money again i think also i quite like the way that they even if i thought that the show was actually really predictable i think they 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 could get away with prevent presenting the rematch because they had to in the storyline if you see what i mean like cena won the championship the rock won the rumble it's almost like oh it's a happy coincidence but sorry that means it wasn't once in a lifetime like again if you think about it in real life they they promote this match once in a lifetime, the rock versus Cedar. And then in real life, those results happen. It's like, Oh, well, sorry. <laughs> we, we thought it was going to be once in a lifetime, but now circumstance has taken over and these two guys have won. So I don't, I quite like the sidestep there in a way. I quite like the, almost like there's a sporting coincidence that the two end up facing each other. The match itself though, isn't very good. Is it? The match itself is really not very good. So two weeks ago, both Steven and Oman were very high on their, original match i wasn't quite so high but i still thought it was pretty good this one is not this is a significant step down for me and it gets the last 10 minutes in particular are just so repetitive the same stuff happening over and over again the rock and, and cena just going back and forth reversing each other's finisher then one of them hitting their finisher and the other kicking out them also reversing them pretty in quite a slow way and not a particularly convincing way just each time it looked quite sloppy i just thought it was not a very good way to end the show i thought i thought the match was just about passable but not good not a, not a really good wrestlemania main event so all in all was it worth it well i'd say that they got a million plus pay-per-view buys again so yes it was worth it from a commercial perspective but maybe not so much from a artistic perspective 
Matt. Yeah, this it, it wasn't a good match, but I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say it was bad. It was it was it's kind of that's a bit of a cop out, really. But whatever. Um, well, I said I said the same, Matt. I said it's passable, but it's yeah, not particularly it's, good. Yeah, it's it's, it's yeah, it's, it's kind it's kind of there. I I do feel that they were certainly trying. Um, you know, like you alluded to in the last couple of minutes. You know, it was you know, counter for counter, but yeah, it just it was it was rock bottom. Hey, hey. rock bottom. Hey, hey. rock bottom. Hey. hey. I was like, okay, we get it. You know, you're, you're countering each other's finishers. Get it. Great. Good. Do something else, please. Wasn't overly spectacular. One thing I think that they missed a trick on, um, which I think would have been the better finish, is where Cena went for the people's elbow. Sort of, you know, hang on to the ropes. And, you know, I, I can't remember if he fl- flipped the rock off or whatever. But, you know, like you said, he sort of hung on to the ropes. Yeah, you know, did the you can't see me. Held on to the ropes. And, and should, should have beat him, you know, hit the AA and then beat him there. I was like, you, you want to talk about, you know, good story. That's what he fell to last year. He learned his lesson and he beat him this year, you know, doing that. I thought that would have been great. So I, I do think they missed a trick there. I mean, as far as as far as the whole thing being worth it, I mean, pay, pay a few buddies. I mean, yeah, I'd like to think, you know, that surely, yeah. I mean, if, if nothing else, they have the image of one of the biggest film stars in the world pointing at their guy, you know, that... That sort of image, as the as the show went off the air, that that's if that's all they got out of it, then they're happy. You know, like I said, biggest Hollywood star in the world going boom, there he is. I'm not sure the crowd necessarily wanted that because there there were some boos in there. And I mean, it's 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 strange to look back on because I mean, I I must admit, as as far as the food goes, Rock versus Cena, and you know, I've, I've you know, you may have seen I've said a couple of tweets over the last couple of weeks, you know, after I listened to, you know, you guys last week as well. Rock versus Cena is one of my favourite foods of all time. And it wasn't necessarily that good, but it's more just along the lines of The Rock is the guy that got me into wrestling. The Rock is the guy that kept me into wrestling at a time where I was at an absolute fuckful and was on my way out. I'm just, I, I loved, I loved the whole thing. Like the second that The Rock came out on Raw after WrestleMania 28, did his promo saying, you know, one day going to be WWE champion. I thought, yes, the, the the child in me was a happy man. I was waiting for it with bated breath. Loved seeing him get it. And just the, in, I can't remember what year it was. Was it 20, yeah, 2013 it would have been. To see The Rock come down to the ring as WWE champion once more. That that image for me is, is just amazing. Just to be able to see that. His family at ringside, that was cool as well. He got the standing ovation that, I, that his career deserved after the match. We mentioned that you're in bonus episodes, the, the potential of The Rock versus Roman Reigns. But g- given where he's at, I mean, like I said, you know, we, you, you can make your own arguments whether or not you should think it should happen. But I personally don't want to see it anymore. And, and for me, that's a shock because even up to a couple of years ago, I was dying to see The Rock come back one more time. But he's been there. He's done it. It's, it's not worth it to him at, at his age. He's a big dude. I mean, my God, it's... Let's face it, the poor pastor just gets injured stepping over the ropes these days. It's just not worth it. Leave it there. You've had a career. Happy days. When I went to watch this, I had very low expectations because I, I, I really I cannot tell you how much I hated the fact that it it was repeated. And I, look, this might shock you. I'm not a businessman. I don't own my own business. I don't, you know, I, I, business decisions, I haven't got a clue. I just like what I like. And... It just didn't have the same feel. It just didn't have the same feel. And one of, I've said before that I'm an avid DVD collector and I've got loads of box sets. And one of my favourite box sets is the Rock Cena Once in a Lifetime DVD box set. And it, it has everything in it leading up to that 
WrestleMania 20, and it's it's got a documentary on it, and it's got everything in it, and it's absolutely fantastic. And to me, I, it, it it should have just stayed as that once in a lifetime for me personally. And I think it hinders this match because the crowd don't care, the crowd aren't aren't interested, which shows it when the Rock kicks out of an attitude ad- adjustment, crowd commentary team it just acting like it's a normal move. Then seeing the kicks out of a rock bottom, crowd commentary, it just acts like he's just kicked out of a normal move. I, it, I just didn't get the same feel. One thing I will note is, I've said again about commentary being white noise, but I, I seem to be picking out JBL, and he's so shit at commentary. He's terrible. Listen yeah. to this. If he can't win, he becomes the Hall of Famer that can't beat the big one. This is talking about John Cena. So if John Cena doesn't win, he becomes a Hall of Famer that can't beat the big one. He won at 21. He won at 22, he won at 23, he won at 25, and he won at 26. Yeah, all right, John, you can't, you can't win the big one, can you not? Bollocks. Um, just you, you rubbish. I've never, I just seem to pick out his shit commentary. However, the last, maybe not 10 minutes, but I did quite enjoy the last few minutes. And I think the main thing is that the crowd came alive a little bit for the last few minutes of the match. So I did quite enjoy that. You've picked out the best part of the match is the Cena holding the ropes and doing the you can't see me when he kip ups from the for, for the uh, rock bottom. And I, I agree with you. He should have won it then. It would have been brilliant kind of mirroring from what happened the year before. Uh, but I, I and I didn't I, I didn't like the salute part at the, at the end. I didn't like it. I just thought it looked, you know, it just looked. I just didn't like it. I don't know why. I just think it looked a bit cheap and a bit cringy. Yeah, cringy, I think, is the right word to use. I didn't mind him, the embrace in the middle of the ring, but then going up to the going up the walkway and all, uh, no, no. Yeah, it's not a very He's a marine. Good. Yeah, well, he's, I mean, to be honest with you, it was better than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> because I didn't, I, I thought it was going to be terrible. And it wasn't, it was... And below average, I think, is being quite fair. If we were saying average, I think that would be being a bit too generous. But I thought it was going to be terrible and it was slightly below average. So, yeah, better than I thought it was going to be. Like I said, I did quite enjoy the end. And JBL is shit at commentary. That's the only notes I've got from it. <laughs> it's just, it's one of those again where, you know, it's just some guys just don't work well with some guys and, yeah. and some girls don't work so well with some girls. It's just, you know, it's how it is sometimes. Yeah, you know? but the, the 28 matches, I mean, it's funny because I listened to the 28 review yesterday and WrestleMania 28 has always kind of been one of those that I think fondly of and I listened to it and it got... Um, slagged off a bit more than I thought it would have done really so I did actually I put in the whatsapp group this morning I might have to revisit 28 when I when I get chance to <laughs> but I seem to remember really enjoying that main event now it might be that I was caught up in the hype because don't get me wrong 27 is such a bad Wrestlemania but I love it I love it the night after the rock Cena gets named as the main event for Wrestlemania 28 I love that I, I, I thought it was fantastic and straight away I remember watching it thinking I am stoked for this already. I've got to wait a year for it. And I thought the build-up, whether it was online or um, in interviews, I, I quite like the fact that they teamed up at Survivor Series as well. I'm not normally a big fan of that, but I quite enjoyed that. I, I thought, and that's why that DVD box set is phenomenal. It's really, really good. So maybe, maybe it isn't a very good match and I was just caught up in the hype, maybe. But yeah, this one is not nowhere near compared to that one. No, it doesn't even come close. 
Do you know they go really lazy with this? I think that this is this is one of the things with the match that that doesn't do it justice, <laughs> and it, it, you know it does make the match suffer a bit. Is that they got really lazy in the sense of okay, yeah, you know the the previous match pay per view records brilliant. That's kind of what they sort of sold it off. Yeah. Um, like they look, I mean, God, how many video packages for Roxena did they show during the show? About you know four, mm. five, or six of them. You know there wasn't that much of, of other than the. The old school Raw episode that they did, that was one of the only interactions that the two of them had in the run up to this. So contrary to what the videos show, there wasn't really that much of a story going into this. So I I do feel that that did make the match suffer a bit as well. Yeah, there's only three of them. One of them, though, is not even really at the start. There's a kind of there's a kind of introduction video at the beginning of the show. But it's only it's about Cena versus The Rock, Triple H versus Lesnar, and Undertaker versus Punk. There's not too much in there. But then there's the first type video comes after the first match, I think it is, and it is got it's got basically the it's got the storyline basically. So it sort of shows Rock beating Cena, Cena being sad the previous year. It says that the match has sent his life into a tailspin professionally and personally and shows Cena winning the Rumble, the Rock being CM Punk for the title at the Rumble as well. The whole Cena in a tailspin thing was the narrative they kind of tried to tell around this, although part of that was I think Cena went through a divorce in this year. Yeah. Um, but that was obviously off all off camera. Was no, there was no <laughs> part of that that was made part of the WWE Universe. So I always found that quite bizarre. I really did. They, they cheated. Plain and simple, they they cheated as far as the video package goes. They basically said, this is the story we've told, except it's the story they wanted to tell, because <laughs> they didn't. They, they they obviously pieced together like all his losses and everything. I mean, you know, they, they leave out the fact that he beat Brock Lesnar a month after losing to Rock, but whatever. Um, I mean, had they done it in a way of, you know, he cut a pro saying, oh, my God, I've had all these losses. My wife's left me and all that then maybe it would have worked. I really liked the video package, the first one, but that, I really didn't like that bit where they mentioned the divorce. It just seemed really cheap. It just was really unnecessary. It's nothing to do with his loss to The Rock. It's his personal life, and it's to do with the, whatever they were going through at the time. Nothing to do with it. Absolutely nothing to do with it. And it was just cheap, I thought. I really didn't like that part. Really didn't like it, but it... It was the only bit that I didn't like. I liked that it highlighted the failures throughout the year. And do you know what? I forgot about that Brock Lesnar. He did actually beat him. But um, <laughs> the month after the loss. Yeah. So I'm just. I literally just clicked onto uh, another article I wrote shortly after WrestleMania this this year, that WrestleMania 29, and it was about John Cena. Um, and it's quite a long, a long thing. But there's this there's this paragraph which is specifically about the build for the match. <laughs> He says, in the build-up to Cena and Rock's second match, the WWE half-heartedly tried to tell the story of Cena needing to win this match because of the damage losing the previous year had done to him. They barely expanded on what was so horrible about the year Cena had just had, of course. Yes, it's true that Cena had not held the WWE title for that entire length of time, but less than a month after losing to The Rock at WrestleMania 28, Cena took a massive victory over Brock Lesnar, the former UFC World Heavyweight Champion at Extreme Rules. How this represented an Anis Horribilis for the leader of the C-Nation, God only knows. It is true that there has been some upheaval in Cena's personal life in the last 12 months, including in May going through a divorce from his wife Elizabeth. However, how this off-screen development in Cena's real life is supposed to relate to the on-screen character he displays on-screen, however, is unknown to this writer. And that was the thing. It was just going like, oh, you've got to build another story. I'll sod it. We'll just do this. <laughs> I mean, 
mean, Stephen talked last last in the last episode about the title and the way that was booked. He thought that was well, quite well done. But of course, none of that involved Cena, so it didn't really build to this match, did it? No, no I mean, like I said, I think the, the only thing that they actually got right was like the the this promo segment they did on the old school segment of Raw. I mean, that that was good, but that that was that was it. That that was essentially. You know the the story. I mean, other than the fact that we, you know, as we all know, they wanted to run it back because it was, you know, historically one of the biggest shows ever. So that's why they wanted to do it. But yeah, I mean, they they basically did it on the back of one segment together. Then there is another one though. There's an sorry, there's another two. So the next one is of um, various fans of The Rock basically just doing his catchphrase that or catchphrases, I should say. That's that's it. That's the entire second hype video. And then the third hype video is just a, another one about Cena and how sad he is about the year he's just had and how hard the year was. Poor John. I, I was I <laughs> poor John, yeah. I was just <laughs> I just think I was just a little bit confused by all this. I was like, why are they why are they filling so much time with this and why are they doing it on the rest on the show itself? Like if these are videos that they produced in the build up in the weeks leading up to WrestleMania 29, then fine, you know, you're trying to put over that this is a big deal. But now we're here. Do we really need to go through all this again? Like, it just, it felt like just filler. Do you know, we'll we'll definitely get there because, you know, when, it, when we come to talking about the Triple H and Brock match, I mean, for, for me, I felt that this show in many ways was all over the place. I mean, like like I said, I mean, you know, was there, was there any need for three packages on this? No, not really. And yeah, like we said, they were just dotted all throughout the show for no apparent random reason and there were many parts of the show i just was like why why is that here the you know whoever did the order of this was uh was having an off night i think i wouldn't have minded it as much like i said i quite liked the first one but i hated the rock one i thought it was terrible i thought it was an it was rubbish because like i said all it was was just fans doing his catchphrase and it was if they'd done it a bit similar to the John Cena one, where they had he won the title and you know what he's going to do to Cena, what it means for him to, to beat Cena again, it, it it would have made sense because the third one is was like a bit of a trading montage, but it it was just with John Cena. So I think that the third one they should have had both of them a trading montage with both of them, and I think that if they'd have done it like that, it would have built up the main event a lot better. And and I quite like the positioning actually. It went throughout the night. It, if they'd have done it like that, I just think it, the first one was all right, minus the divorce part. The second one was terrible, and the third one were it, it would have been better if it had them both the training montage. And then I think that would have told the story leading up to the main event. You know, I've been thinking as well of the last sort of few WrestleManias we've done that I'm a little bit over the way WWE does their video packages to hype up their matches now. And this might be just because I'm yearning for the past again. But when I first started watching wrestling, what they used to do was just tell the story. They didn't put it in like a musical package, a montage. It was just this happened last year at WrestleMania. Then this happened at the Survivor Series. Then this happened on Raw. Then that happened on Superstars. Then this happened last week. And now this is what's happening. And now this match has been booked. And I and I was kind of like, can we go back to that? for a little while just do that like just tell the story in chronological order without putting it into and have a narration over the top rather than just putting it into a video package and adding sort of key parts of different promos to to tell the story i just don't get me wrong it's been very effective for a very long time but they that's the point they've been doing it for such a long time can we just try and do something else just to make it a bit more interesting and i think this is a match that deserved it because they could have gone all the way back to two years before they could have said actually this began in january of the year wrestlemania 27 took place 2011 i suppose it would have been you know where the rock came back 
took some shots at John Cena in his sort of return promo. I've gone all the way back to that and then even done, you know, the fact that Rock cost him the title at WrestleMania 27, all of that stuff. They should this should have been a retelling of the story rather than three one kind of promo video that was completely in the usual style of WWE, but only telling the story as far back as the year before, which is not as far back as the story's gone. And the other two were just kind of fluffy bits. I just thought take a bit more time. Give us six, seven minutes if you need to and retell the whole story. Like there's a big there's a big story here. If you want to tell it, you can. And that way you can get over the fact that for the last year there has been no story building up to the rematch. You can just use the fact that it's a two year long program. So I think that's all of our talking points. So I think we'll go back to the start of the show now and uh, begin to take everything on chronologically. And the, the show starts in a, what's the word? Like uh, It's about Hurricane Sandy. And this, it's narrated by Governor Chris Christie. The Hurricane Sandy had taken place in October of the previous year. It had affected the New York, New Jersey area really badly. But it was, so, I, I'm not going to say weird, but just a, just a different way to start WrestleMania. And I, I kind of understand why they did it, especially they just happened to have WrestleMania in the area the year after that took place but it definitely made for a different feel to the start of wrestlemania well it wasn't as weird as my start to it because when i sat when i started watching it there was some strange spanish overdub and after listening and i thought it was part of the show and it's only it's only after about 35 30 45 seconds i thought this can't be right this and then it's only after listening to last week's show i think Stephen, yeah Stephen sam had the same issue as well so so that yeah that was a bit weird at the start i thought um See? Rid, yeah ridiculous ridiculous so matt did you have that as well oh yeah and it pissed me right off yeah this is really weird because everybody's experiences apart from me i haven't had a problem with the spanish mm. On two uh, language TVs, kicking in two different tvs as well mm. <laughs> are you using the native app on those tvs so, uh, yeah using the app that, that you like download yeah. from like the app store yeah but not like on your phone casted you're using the one on the television i, I stopped casting from my phone ages ago because it's terrible well i i mean you might you, to be honest my experience suggests it's not because i'm finding it much easier to, to watch the <laughs> yeah. stuff doing it that way than you guys seem to be with your spanish <laughs> language yeah. coverage yeah i thought it was a bit peculiar it, it was a bit of a weird way to start the show however obviously it's in america and very patriotic and americans love that kind of stuff so they probably lapped it up but yeah it did feel a bit a, a bit peculiar bit of a weird well, I guess, start i guess as i say it was just the fact that it, it hit new york and new jersey quite yeah. bad and they were in new york new jersey and just felt like the right did they do anything i know it was quite a few years removed but did they do anything for new orleans that you know when they went there the following year, i can't remember because obviously they'd had a, a similarly a very bad yeah. um natural disaster there anyway commentary for the show is provided to us by michael cole jbl and jerry or so jbl <coughs> joins them for commentary and the music for the main music for the show is coming home it's playing as members of the national guard wave u.s flags on stage this was in lieu of an america the beautiful unfortunately yeah, yeah. Um, do you know what? It's never bothered me that until listening to the podcast that they don't do American <laughs> I think you've converted me. But I, when I watched it, like say I watched it a few weeks ago and I put a, a, a message on the group saying there's no American the Beautiful on this. And it, yeah, it wound me up, which I never would have been bothered to in, uh, before this podcast. This song was no saliva, but uh, I must admit, I, I, I do like I'm Coming Home. It's not bad. I think I think it's a, an apt song for a wrestlemania in the new york area given that it's realistically their home territory but as i said uh, i would have preferred america the beautiful 
And I I think my biggest issue here is that, you know, if you're going to make it, if you're going to make it a kind of a tradition, keep fucking doing it. Stop being so inconsistent with it. Like you've done it, you've missed it like 12 times out of 30 so far or something ridiculous like that. I mean, what's what, what, what kind of tradition is that? Shit. Like, come on, guys. Bit more effort. And it's not hard. Just wheel out Lillian Garcia again if you have to. If you've got no one else, just, just wheel Lillian Garcia out for the 473rd time. We'll be fine. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Just cool. before you, you carry on, I just wanted to take a couple of minutes. It was one of me over talking points, but I thought it might, you might be quite interested. So I've been to the MetLife Stadium. Uh, I, I went to about, well, I was about 12 years ago. Uh, I went with uh, my best mate and friend of the show, Jamie Parker. He'll like that little shout out. And we went on the tour of the stadium. We did a tour of the stadium. And I thought I'd just share a couple of things with you about it because it's just obscene. It is obscene. If people, if people think that the amount of money in Premier League football is bad, it ain't compared anything to, to, to them. So it's obviously shared with the Giants and the Jets. And it takes a, t- a, a team of people two full days to change everything over from J- Jets to Giants when they alternate the fixtures. Um, so the touch, like the end zone and uh, and the, the banners and stuff like that. In the club shop, the shirts just swivel round. So they're on a stand, they pull them out, swivel them around and put them back. It's split into four quarters, the stadium, and each quarter has a sponsor. And what they do is they bid to try and get people to buy season tickets for the quarter. So one quarter will say, right, every home game we'll put hog roast on. And then the other quarter will say, well, no, every home game we'll do 50% off beer. And they try and bid for the season ticket holders to come and to fill that, that quarter. You can get, this is brilliant, you can get season tickets and corporate boxes right next to the technical area. And apparently it's very common that the users get thrown out because they get pissed up and hurl abuse at the coaches. <laughs> <laughs> when they set the stadium up, each team got a bar and uh, they had a vote. Fans voted on what they wanted their, that the bar to be. So the Giants went for like history, a lot of memorabilia trophies at the one, and the Jets just went for this modern fancy bar. But the the the, the thing that blew my mind, and it blew the tall guy's mind, you couldn't believe it, is that the changing rooms, so the changing rooms have fingerprint and retina scans for the uh, players and it's that we couldn't go in we couldn't go into the changing rooms wow. and when they built the stadium they hired people from the fbi to come and sweep the entire place for bugs and listening devices that might have been planted by the workers and this took one week <laughs> it's absolute I, we, honestly we couldn't believe we just couldn't believe it it was probably one of the highlights of the trip because it, it, it's obviously massive. It's such an impressive stadium. Yeah, I mean, they are over there, aren't they? But um, the, 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 the tour guide that we had, she was fantastic. And she was just laughing about how obscene. But the money that's put into American football over there is, is obscene. But I just thought I'd share that because I, I, we found it really interesting when we went. So I thought that you might find it interesting yourself. Well, it's, it, you know, the, the, we talked about this a little bit when we talked about um, one of our bonus episodes when we talked about London bidding for WrestleMania or whatever. I mean, obviously in America, a lot of the local government actually pay for the stadiums for these fucking teams or at least give them loads of money towards it because they want to keep the teams in the area because the way American sports work obviously is in a franchising system and they can go where the hell they want if they don't get the new stadium from the the local government kind of whatever the the state or whatever it is they they could just move and go somewhere else so um yeah that's why they're so that's why they got so much fucking money it's ridiculous yeah, unbelievable the, the vegas team used to be california raiders 
Now they go out to Vegas, become the Ve- the Vegas Raiders. They're massive at Allegiant Stadium, specifically for them. Huge over there now. Yeah, there's rumours of um of one of the major league baseball teams moving to Las Vegas as well because then they're in a position where the market where they are is not very big. And yeah, it's just it's just crazy. And it just it's just a thing that really bugs me a lot. Actually, I find it really really disgusting. And that's why I was really like, I hope London doesn't pay WWE anything to bring WrestleMania here. Yeah. They're going to make enough money as it is. They don't need local government to pay right, them money as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. All right. Well, I think now we've uh, got on our soapbox about that, and also heard <laughs> from Alex, uh, an in-person account of the MetLife Stadium. Let's uh, let's just take a little break, and we'll come back, and we will get into the rest the rest of the matches finally. WrestleMania 28. My once-in-a-lifetime moment stolen. The Rock has beaten John Cena! A year of my existence destroyed. For those brave enough to stick through the hard times, for those who have not given up, I will promise you I am focused. And I am ready for WrestleMania. I get a chance to rewrite history. This is more than just a match for me. This is a shot at redemption. I've been waiting for this moment for a year. Yeah, staring out into the unknown. Voices in the wind telling me to come home. I suffocate myself inside the bed, trying to cut the circulation. Now these thoughts inside my head like, do I hate me or do I hate them? Either way, I've held grudges since I was holding the pen. But this is life, and in life we learn it to live. When the past dies, this is where it begins. Cause... When the sky turns gray, what you gonna do when your blue still stay? Anything is possible because rules still break. So when your dream comes, don't wake. Yeah. I have a message tonight for all the rock fans. Your time is up. Our time is now. Because all we have is right now. All we have is right now. Okay, so welcome back. Now, before the first match, uh, we get the WrestleMania intro video airing. As I said earlier on, it's, it highlights the three main matches. I didn't think it was anything particularly <coughs> special. This just a just a standard WrestleMania intro video. They they're getting that way in general. Although I think actually the WrestleMania 31 was actually really cool. So maybe maybe things will be continue to improve. But I do feel like certainly there are certain parts of the WrestleMania fixture now 
that I just got so used to that I barely pay attention to it. And this is this is one of them. They started bringing celebrities in, didn't they? They're doing it as well, like doing the voiceovers, which is a little bit different. But I, I do see what you mean. After we see a purple Aki sign in the crowd, I know Tom and Old Man were very pleased with that. There was a purple Aki sign. We saw it a number of times in Petra in this show. Uh, we get the first match of the night. It's a six-man tag match. It's The Shield versus Randy Orton, Sheamus. And the Big Show match will last about ten and a half minutes. And um, ends when Reigns spears Orton and Ambrose pins Orton for the win after Orton hits an RKO on Rollins, who was coming off of the ropes for a springboard something or other. We don't know what it was because obviously he got RKO'd. After the match, Orton and the Big Show argue. Then Big Show KO punches both his partners for uh, his 3,694th heel turn. Alex, what were your thoughts on this match? Do you know what? I quite liked it, to be honest with you. I thought it was a decent opener. Really fast pace. Seamus is just miles better now in a, in every aspect. <laughs> He's miles better now. I, I was never a fan of him when he came in. He's he just better in every way. He looks better, just feels a bit more tough. Pre- presented miles better than he ever was, I think, at the minute. I've always, you know, I love the Shield. I love the Shield. You know, not, not you know, very few don't, but um, I would have preferred it. Do you know when they come down for their entrance? I always, I would have preferred it if they come down in, in, like three separate ways as opposed to a two and a one. I just think it would have looked better. Obviously, they, they would have had to sort the cameras out and this, that and the other, but I think if they'd have come down and then surrounded the ring that way, it just would have looked better. But anyway, they just look fantastic. Love their entrance. The only thing that I don't like is Seth Rollins' ridiculous hair streak. Always quite like, I've always quite liked Dean Ambrose as well. Can understand why people don't like him. I love the chop spot and his expression uh, following that. And to me, out of the three, Rollins seemed the least impressive out of the three. I don't, I couldn't really put my finger on why. It just seemed a bit sloppy. But excellent closing sequence. But the ending, just absolute crap. It makes no sense. If they're in a, a match and they're a team, why would the big show just stand there just so his team loses? Just because he's not been tagged in. To me, it was absolute nonsense and it just spoiled the match. It could have been, it would have been miles better if Orton had accidentally hit him off the apron or something like that. It would have been miles better. But the fact that he's just stood there and watched his team get beat, this bollocks, absolute bollocks. I thought it was terrible, terrible. I thought it was a decent opener and it just got ruined by the ending. And you know how I feel about shit endings. I thought it was terrible, the ending. And then again, big short turn, yeah, whatever. We've seen it. We've seen it happen so many times, haven't we? So whatever, it's not a big deal, is it? But yeah, it was it it was decent apart from the ending. It was shit. The ending. They should have done a thing with the big show where every single pay per view he just turned towards the end where they, like they just made a joke of it and been like every mm. single every single pay per view either turns heel or turns babyface. I guess you know, they basically I, did anyway, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Do you know a fantasy booked in my head that I think his retirement match he should start as a face, turn heel in the match, and then turn face again in the same match. <laughs> Don't know in the bucket, but I just think it for his last match. I think it'd be quite funny. But yeah, it's just no, it's not a big deal though, is it? Fucking turns all the time. It's no surprise. Should like break the fourth wall or something and like wink at the camera before he's gonna hit the punch on somebody. So like, yeah, dog get a punch. <laughs> Do you know? What? I think this this goes to show that the learning journey that that, that I've been on a bit um, over the course of doing these WrestleManias. Because had I seen this match a couple of WrestleManias ago, I probably would have had a bit of a moan and sort of thought, it's quite a bit of a, seems like a bit of a jabronified opener, really. I mean, I mean, that's considering, I mean, Orton OK was a big star, big show, uh, Seamus, yeah, you know, you said Alex, he's definitely presented a hell of a lot better now. I mean, he was as cool as ice at that point, so that was a bit, that just felt like a really thrown together, nah, who really cares type of scenario, but 
that would have been me a couple of WrestleManias ago. Now, I, I'd like to think I've learned that the polar bear has grown as a person. And Are you I all just, grown up, Matt? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, exactly. I'm all grown up after all grown up after <laughs> WrestleMania 23, I think it was. But yeah, do you know, that th- this is the type of thing at this point that you're going to get at a WrestleMania, really. And it, it's fine. Sometimes you need this type of match. I mean, it, knowing how good the Shield are, it is a little bit disappointing to know that perhaps they didn't have more time and maybe a bit more a dynamic team trio to go against. So that is slightly disappointing. But it, it, it was it was fine. Uh, it, it was it was neither good nor bad. It, it was it was perfectly acceptable. The thing that I do find quite funny about it is the thing that you come away with most and the thing that sticks out in your memory most is that of all the guys in this match that you're going to remember, the big show is the one you remember most. And th- th- this was what twenty. 13 was this i think something like that you know 2012 2013 do we really need the big show to be the focal point of a match at this point no of course we don't so why bother all right okay he, he was pissed he hit the knockout punch afterwards it's not as if you know anybody hit him back or anything or got a sneaky rko or bro kick on him you know the big show was the guy who gets to walk out tall basically and i mean for for what for not really anything special so yeah that that was I can't say I felt that was the right choice but like I said you know, match wise it, it it was it was acceptable it was acceptable as an opener I will tell you why they did it is because uh, following month at Extreme Rules the Big Show and Randy Orton faced each other in an Extreme Rules match that's why they did it other than that I'm I'm with you I'm not really sure exactly why I like this this was a decent opener nothing special but it was decent enough but I think for me, I just love the Shield. I just think they were brilliant. I just love everything about them. The presentation, it's still unique. I they've not done this anything like this still since the Shield. I brought three men in who were all a little bit different, but dressed exactly the same as almost like to show that they were entirely a unit. There was no sense that one of them was a leader or there was a tag team and two, and a singles guy. It was just three guys who were always together. And for the best part of the first year of the Shield, they didn't do anything but have six man tag matches. They did have the occasional singles match here or there, but it but it was nearly always six man tag matches that they did. They had a whole bunch of them through the summer, this particular summer after this WrestleMania. Daniel Bryan on the opposite side of the, the ring with the two other people, oftentimes Kane and someone else. And they were just always great value. I felt like even in this match they showed a little bit of what they were about, not just in terms of just having good matches but there was a characterization of their matches and actually i'll give jbl some credit here because i think he does do a lot of good work to make it clear what that characterization is and they they have this sort of skirmish style where basically there's always always seems to be one guy left over that can still make the save or can make it feel like they've got the numbers game even though they haven't got you know, even though the teams are equal. And I just loved everything about the way they were presented, the way they were put out there. They're just completely different things. I mean, I don't think WWE had ever done before or since. And I just loved it. I just thought it was just such a great idea. And I think obviously it shows that they've got out of the three of them, Rollins is still a sort of headlining guy in WWE, just recently headlined Payback, of course. Roman Reigns is the biggest star in the business, and John Moxley's arguably one of the biggest stars in AEW. They all brought something to this. They all were 
great to watch as a as a unit and they had some amazing matches especially i mean i'm one day we're going to hopefully cover <laughs> i think it's elimination chamber 2014 where they have the just oh. the most phenomenal six-man tag match i think i've ever seen it's just absolutely oh. insanely good <clears throat> um I, ne- I nearly watched that in my uh my favorite match crash board it outside not surprised it is, it is phenomenal so, it is so phenomenal good. So, yeah, I just love it. And I love that it's on show here. I love that you're seeing already like this this idea of the shield. And so I, I guess that's the other reason why they did the big show thing at the end was just to sort of maintain the idea that the shield will win. The shield are this unit, whereas these three guys are, are not together. They're not they don't they don't particularly like each other. And they've just all suffered at the hands of the shield up to this point. Yeah, I get I get that, but it could have been done better. I thought. I I just thought it, the the fact that he's just stood there just for me, I just thought it was shit. <laughs> it I mean, it wasn't the most amazing thing ever, but I wasn't I wasn't angry with it. Put it that way, mm. <laughs> it didn't bother me that much. So after the Rock and Cena hype video number one, we see a great shot of the stadium. Now, I was just wondering, is this the shot that they use in the signature for the next few years after this? I've been wondering for a while. It's difficult to remember the timings of the different signatures, obviously, because mm. that's that's not something you remember. But I always thought it was the WrestleMania 24 stadium in, in the signature. But I'm starting to think it's this one. I think this is the best looking stadium at night terms of that aerial shot that we've seen since wrestlemania 24 and it's just it just looks great yeah i'll have to look out for that one i don't there's there's one of the one of the signatures just starts with a big old stadium basically that's what it just yeah yeah i know know what you yeah i know what you mean i I love the set though i don't think we mentioned the set i think the set's one of the best the best ones i think this is with the statue of liberty yeah the landmarks and the brooklyn bridge in the background i thought it's one of the best ones i think it's fantastic yeah it's good then we see snooki in the crowd tom would have been very happy with that one and then footage of a deadlift challenge on smackdown with mark henry choking ryback with the the weights and wouldn't you know this leads to mark henry versus ryback a match that very much happened on the wrestlemania show i know i know it's it's hard to believe these days it goes for eight minutes and ends when henry turns his back to ryback and then shell shot and then Ryback shell shocks Henry after a spine buster. Mark Henry, whilst he was up there in the shell shock, looked absolutely scared to death. And I don't surprise me because I bet you he's barely ever been off his feet whilst mm. wrestling for the previous 13 years as a, his career had been. He looked petrified. <laughs> um, Matt, what did you think of this one? Oh God! You know that bit when I said that um, you know the the polar bears matured and everything, and I've learned <laughs> and I've grown. Fuck it, I take it all back, as this was a gigantic pile of shit. <laughs> like, okay, maybe that's a little bit over the top, but hey, you all know it. You all know you know the, know the drill by now. I mean, yeah, this was one of those I completely forgot that this was on the card until it happened, and I mean, I literally yelled out loud while I'm at home, just. What the fuck? This is on a WrestleMania card. I mean, it's okay. It's Ryback versus Mark Henry. I mean, for the, for those who are Big E fans, I'm sure you'll appreciate that this was big meaty men slapping meat, as he's, as I suppose he likes to say. Um, for me, I, I would class this as the bear hug match because it felt <laughs> like the bear hug that Mark Henry was applying went on and on. And on and on. Yeah, it, it wasn't very good. Ryback, there's so many things you can say about that guy. I mean, he, he got over to, to to give the guy his props, despite the fact that he's a prick. Um, <laughs> The guy got over 
that the crowd for a time did certainly like him. It's just like, it's such a weird gimmick. You know, his whole thing about, all right, okay, you do the feed me more thing, and and, and then everything's all of a sudden about eating. <laughs> his clothesline is called the meat hook. Fuck off, what is that? I can't, for the life of me, take somebody serious whose move is the meat hook. It just sounds so stupid. The the finish, I mean, you know, like you said, Ben, yes, Mark Andy was clearly fucking terrified. And, you know, being lifted up for the uh, another great finisher name, Shell Shot, and he couldn't get it. And then Henry crash landed on him and got the pin, which did make me burst out laughing. <laughs> Considering, I suppose, Ryback was meant to be the guy getting the push at the time. But then we were, well, I suppose we were treated to Ryback getting the shell shock afterwards. What the fuck was the point? I mean, if you're going to put the damn guy over, just put him over. What, what was the point of that? But I, I like Mark Henry. You may have learned that I, I very much dislike Ryback. So th- this was a giant <coughs> thumbs down for me. You, you like Mark Henry until he gets in the ring. And then you kind of remember why, you know, it's not really worth it. Yeah, that's that's probably fair. To be honest, what we'll say about this is that it makes even less sense than Mark Henry won because the following month, Ryback faces John Cena for the title (laughs) and turns heel on him the next night on Raw. So, again, Ryback should definitely have won this match, although this is obviously not too long before Mark Henry does his cross double turn on John Cena as well when he does the, uh, the retirement in a pink salmon suit and then attack Cena. I need to do a correction because I, I described the ending incorrectly. So what you said, Matt, is correct. He tries to get him up for the shell shock and then he basically Henry falls down on him, pins him, and then after the match they have a little bit of a set to and Ryback puts him up for the shell shock that time. And yes, as, as, as that's when he looks petrified. But the the result was the same. Mark Henry wins. Ryback is does, still does the shell shock and uh, and yeah, <laughs> and Henry looks scared. Alex. Yeah, I, I mean, I echo pretty much everything that you guys have said. The other thing that I hated in this match, and uh, it's a bit of a theme with WrestleManias that we do together, the the phrase, the unstoppable force versus the immovable object. So yeah. I, I, I hate it when they use that, because they, they have used it a couple of times. And it's an iconic quote for that iconic moment. So it weakens it. And it's like the WrestleMania 23, where they did the, the Great Carly Kane slam. You know, it... it I hate. I just hate it. Hate it. It's just an iconic moment, an iconic match, and then it just weakens it. It's fucking bullshit. One thing I'll say though is that I'm not. I mean, don't go wrong. You are right. It is obviously iconically linked to Hogan and Andre. But in fairness, Gorilla Monsoon himself used it about four hundred thousand times on commentary <laughs> over the course of his career, as he did with many of his catchphrases. So it wasn't like it. It was just used for that particular match. But I, I think I get what you're saying, and also it's different. It's Gorilla Monsoon. He's allowed. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's true. Was it the first time he used it though for that match? Can we just pretend, I, I, it, pretend might, that it was? It might might have been. I don't yeah. I don't really know, but I'm certainly used it a number of times after that for much, much lesser things. I have noticed it before and I can't pick out any matches, but it is used not all the time, but it is used and every time they say it, it, it annoys me because I think it's it's an it's a quote for that moment and, and it that's how it should remain. I've got a note here, Ken Patera, Michael Cole didn't forget. So I think Ken Patera must have been mentioned on commentary. I mean, like I said, this was three weeks ago, so I've no idea where that come from. I think um, um, I think I think it's got something to do with the fact that Mark Henry was an Olympian, and so yes. was Ken Patera. And I think yes. he, Michael Cole's almost, or someone anyway, is is sort of taking the mick or something out of 
Henry maybe because he wasn't mm. like he was an Olympian, but he finished like 19th or something. And he wasn't like he, yeah. the gold medalist like Angle. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's very impressive to go to the Olympics no matter where you finish. Yeah. But no, I think in, yeah. in 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 comparison to Angle, it's something of a lesser thing. That's so WWE though, isn't it? Oh, okay, yeah, you know, I, I get it. You know, not number one, two or three or whatever, but fucking Olympian and ha ha ha, you were shit. Mm. <laughs> Just, it's such a WWE thing. <laughs> Well, I think I think the thing is as well is that they they weren't really they were playing fast and loose with the truth again yeah. by calling him the world's strongest man. He should have been the world's nineteenth strongest man, and we would have been, <laughs> would have been better. But then that that way he wouldn't have been from Western Supermare, so that would be no good. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> he would have got over so much more if the, if his gimmick was the world's nineteenth strongest man. Yeah, but not on this podcast. It's Western Supermare. <laughs> I remember when yeah. you first said that, and I remember I remember seeing the back of his shirt when I first started thinking it's Western Superman. Weird. <laughs> Ryback isn't as over as he once was. Um, he, I, I was never a fan of Ryback, but he was he, he was over. Bit like Mr. Kennedy was, just boring and slow. I tell you what, I tell you what, you can you can level as much criticism you want to ride back, and I have no problem with it. Better than Mr. Kennedy, fucking hell. Get fucked. No, do you know what? Yeah, I agree with. I do agree with that. I do agree with that. It's it's not much, but yeah, and I've got the same thing. Uh, Why didn't he win? And and I got that that he, he. turned on scene the next night it made no sense and the other thing is that he's celebrating after and he's lost absolute nonsense <laughs> absolute nonsense you know it's little things like that that do my head in where i just think you've lost the match and i know that they don't go on about paid paydays and things like that and i think they should i think they should say like you're not like um gorilla monsoon used to do it all the time the winner's person this that and the other and i think they should do it again because he's lost a match at WrestleMania and he's celebrating. No, you've lost. You're shit. Oh, you've lost. So don't... They should be doing it all the time because yeah. it, should, it just instantly gives you a context for why someone would want to win. Yeah. And it also means, is the other thing that it really, if you don't have that concept of a winner's purse that works against you, is when a heel then goes into a match where they're holding a title. And you're like, why don't you just automatically get yourself disqualified straight away and yeah. retain your title? The reason you don't is because there's a winner's purse, but that's never talked about. So you, there is no reason. Yeah, just nonsense. So yeah, shit match, crap. You know, I thought it was a really dull match. I quite liked the ending. I did quite like the ending, like where he, basically Mark Henry holds onto the ropes and then falls down on right back. I thought that was quite cool. But I don't think that he should have won. Don't get me wrong. I think it was the wrong result. But in that respect, it's fine. I mean, look, if you're going to put Mark Henry and Roy back on the show, surely you're doing it to get Roy back over a bit more, like give him a, give him a big win on the big stage. This wasn't the only time Ryback was over either. Like, he came in, got over straight away. He got over again, though, like in 2015. And, and it just seemed like every time they renewed a push, people were, were interested in him for some reason. I think it was just anything to not be Cena. I think that, I think that mm. did sort of become a thing after a while. I was like, come on, we've had enough of Cena. Let's just give it to this guy. If you're going to give it to someone, just give it to him. It doesn't matter. We just need you to give it to someone else. The fans I, I, didn't really appreciate this either because they there was Goldberg chance for Ryback and sexual chocolate chance for Mark Henry. Do you know what? I, I was, it's funny you should say that because I think when he first came in, the, there was a lot of Goldberg chance mm. and the crowd, uh, not the crowd, the commentary used to put it off, say, like, try and work around it by saying oh the, the, it's um he's it, being compared to Goldberg when really it's the fans saying you can just a rip off complete rip off of Goldberg and I think that 
once everyone started shouting Goldberg, maybe they started shouting the catchphrase a bit more, maybe he accidentally got over, I don't know. But I do remember that when he first, literally the first couple of matches they presented him pretty much like Goldberg. They still, I still hear that occasionally, Goldberg, when you see wrestlers in this sort of position. And I find it funny and quite bizarre, really, because Goldberg's run, his big run, is now something like 25 years ago. Yeah. In, in, in 1995, if you'd have ripped something off from 25 years ago, the crowd would have absolutely no idea that they were being mm. ripped off, like it was being ripped off. And I think after a while you have to kind of go, well, you know, you're allowed to recycle some things. And I think, and I think that Goldberg thing was very successful. And it was textbook. Let's be honest. It was just a big yeah. guy coming in, beating everyone. It's quite a textbook booking trope. Time to get over it. Let, let someone else do mm. it. Next, we get the WWE announces that they are the partner of the Special Olympics 2014 USA team. Some of the team are then introduced on the stage, along with Stephanie and Governor Chris Christie again. I don't know what's going on here. They must be like, I'm assuming Chris Christie is a Republican. And this was the beginning of Linda McMahon's kind of infiltration of that party um, and subsequent failure to win a couple of times in senate elections we then get match number three which is a wwe tag team title match features team hell no the champions defending against biggie langston and dolph ziggler a match that goes for just over six minutes it ends when kane chokeslams dolph ziggler and daniel bryan hits the flying headbutt for the victory the whole crowd do the yes chant after the match with daniel bryan alex oh how good with team hell no how good with team hell no it's do you know what i don't like kane I never liked him as a wrestler, don't like him as a person, but it's probably the only time that I really, really liked him. They were so good. It's the only time that I enjoyed him and, and the, the interaction that they had with Daniel Daniel Bryan in, in the therapy sessions was just brilliant. Right, I'm going to I'm gonna really upset Tommy and I'll prepare myself for the backlash, but I've always thought that Dolph Ziggler is one of the most underutilised wrestlers that's ever been in the WWE. He's a great talker. He's a great worker. And I do think that there's a natural comparison to, to Shawn Michaels. And I think if he'd have been pushed, he could have been a real main eventer. Now, he's selling. He does need to tone that down, the overselling. But if, again, if I was fantasy booking him, I'd just get rid of his name. I think Nick Nemeth is a perfectly <laughs> acceptable name for a wrestler, right? Honest, I think just get rid of the name and... I always remember hearing, I think it was one on the episodes of the squashing, you've mentioned it on this podcast, your uh, Royal Rumble fantasy booking idea, where you use gold dust, I think it was. Valvinus, um, Valvinus. And I think potentially it could be a Ziggler before he retires that. I know I, I, it may be an R-Truth might be a good shout for that. But I do, I do, you know, and I think, no, I think he's just accepted where he is and, He's better. He's better than he is. And I think that people don't like him because of how shit he's been used on in the company. That's my personal opinion. And people don't like him, whatever. Um, I'll come on to talking about Dolph Ziggler after you guys have, have said what you think about the match. But what I will say is that I do like Dolph Ziggler being in the role of Val Venus for my fantasy booking of the Rumble. I, I actually quite like that. I'd yeah. accept, I'd accept yeah. that now. Especially now, tenure yeah. he's in and the fact that he's defined completely as a mid-carder. Yeah. He's in exactly the position I want for that role. So I'm, mm. I, I, I back you on that one. Excellent, excellent. And then, you know, I mean, I'm going to talk about it a bit later on, but the, the night after the cash-in is one of the best pops of all time. It's unbelievable, but we're, I'm sure we'll cover that later on. 
possibly. Um, so sorry, Tom, about that. I know that you don't like Dov Ziggler, but that, I'm putting it out there and I'll await to your... Um, I think, I think if, you, if you're going to say sorry for all the things you disagree with people on, then you basically will constantly be apologising to the person. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but I know, he hate, I know he hates him, don't he? He hates him. So I, I just found an apology at the start of every show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Well, Big E as well. Um, real shame about Big E. I think he's, it's not looking good for him, is it? I think he's going to be retiring soon. And for the last time I saw, he was kind of in, he was on the verge of retiring. He weren't going to be coming back. I don't know if if you know anything different. But he's just a massive guy, but really quick. And you don't and I don't really like big guy wrestlers, but he's really really quick, which I like. It's not a bad little match. There's nothing much to really pick out in the match. Really, it was a botch famouser. I put that as Kane's fault. Oh, I just thought you just but you just said famouser. Yeah. Now we had a conversation about this yes, about seven eight episodes ago, and. I, as I said, it was originally, and I agree with Matt, it was originally called the Fame Asser, definitely, yeah. because it was Billy Gunn, Mr. Ass, who did it. But it definitely became Famouser. I'm certain over time it became Famouser, and they kind of, that's why they're still able to use it, even when they went PG. And yeah. I don't know when that happened. I don't know when it officially took place, but everyone calls it a Famouser now. But Matt and I, whoever I was on, the, whoever else was on that podcast at the time, were, were adamant it was still Famouser. And I was like, I don't think it is anymore. I think it's when we did 15, I think, Matt. At least spell it when it comes across on subtitles. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, not a bad. It was it wasn't that very average, really. Very average. It was only six minutes. I mean, what do you want? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt, what do I want? It's WrestleMania. I want a hell of a lot more. I want spots. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> you want team hell of a lot more. <laughs> do you know? The, I, I don't. I don't have much sort of memory of this one for for some very strange reason. It, it was fine. Again, certainly nothing particularly bad. I mean, the, the one thing that I, I'm sure that uh, that you'll take the piss out of for Ben is that um, I do prefer this version of Big E, the the much more serious, you know, because again, I, I absolutely hate fun. Um, I, I prefer the the serious kind of guy, and I, I was even thinking, wow, I was like, okay, I was like, this is a different style of Big E. I, I don't mind this, so. That was a bit more appealing to me. As far as Dolph Ziggler goes, um, yeah, sorry, Alex, but <clears throat> nothing personal, but it's just... You've been conditioned. Ah, yeah, it's like, it feels as if he's been around for a hundred years. He comes on the TV and I'm like, okay, it's time to go. It's like, it just, it's one of those, you just immediately switch. He's become, the, you know, the, the toilet break because I know I'm not going to miss anything important, really. And I feel for the guy, but th- that's what he's become. And, he, I mean, as far as Team Hell No goes as a tag team, yeah, th- to be fair to them, you, you want to talk about two guys who were thrown together and made it work. Fair, fair play to Brian and Kane. They, they really did do a good job with this. And, Joe, you know, for something as silly as going yes and no, it was quite funny and it was quite entertaining. Like I said, match-wise, wasn't too bad. I generally don't remember, seem to remember that much about it, but it, it was fine. Yeah, like I said, Team Helmet was a tag team. Definitely enjoyed their work, though. Dolph Ziggler hasn't been on the main roster for 100 years, but he has been there for 18 years, which is a ridiculously long amount of time for anybody. Like, it, unless you're an Undertaker-level wrestler, that doesn't just doesn't happen. Like, it just does not take place. I don't know how to, how to what to say about Dolph Ziggler. So I, my big issue with Dolph Ziggler is not really his fault. It was the fans' fault. Like you said, Alex, there was a massive pop when Dolph Ziggler cashed in his money in the bank the following night on Raw, but he was a heel. And I think it 
prompted WWE to turn him babyface, which was the worst thing they could do for him because he was no way a babyface. He doesn't look like a babyface. He doesn't act like a babyface. He's not likable like a babyface. The only reason people were cheering him is because, like you, a lot of people at the time thought he was underused and wanted to see him get his opportunity. But he was never meant to be a babyface. And that was the big mistake. When he became a babyface, it just did not work. And he had about a year then of just nothing working really properly. I don't dislike Dolph Ziggler, but I also don't think he's underutilized. I think he's used as well and as good as he should be. He's and and again, 18 years on the main roster, nobody can argue with the idea that he's not kind of had a career, had a run, had a great run. He's been a world heavyweight champion. He's been babyface and heel. He's been on multiple WrestleManias and SummerSlams. I find it hard to I find it hard to agree that he could have been more. I think he's been what he could be, and that wasn't a bad. That, that let me be clear, what he's been hasn't been a jobber or anything. It hasn't been a it hasn't been a failure. You know, it's been a it's been a really decent eighteen years, but I just don't think he could have gone further. But I totally agree. He would be great in the role of Val Venus for the fantasy book. And I'll just give the context for anyone who's not heard the previous episodes where I talked about this, which is basically this about 2007, I think it would have been. Uh, I had this sort of idea for making the Rumble feel like it used to feel to me anyway, which was that anyone could win it. And I wanted somebody who would, it was in the mid card who could win it and then take a Rocky style run at the title at WrestleMania where he'd be the huge underdog against one of the big stars. And my idea was Val Venus, simply because he was an okay in the he was okay in the ring, not spectacular or anything, but he was okay in the ring. He had been around long enough that people might still get behind him. Like you almost like kind of feel like this guy deserves this this chance to do this. And they could have a whole thing where it would be he'd be up against the heel champion maybe and the heel champion would just un, you know completely expect you know, expect to win the match and take it for granted and Val Venus could come out with some promos about how he was not he's not been taking anything as serious as this in his entire life this is his last chance his big shot to be a world champion and that you know that's that's how I was doing it so I would put I would be happy to put Dolph Ziggler in that role now um because I think he's in the right place he's been there for fucking ever he's still a decent worker regardless of whether people think he's a great worker or not he's a decent worker decent enough a match against a heel I don't know Seth Rollins in the in a in a world title match at WrestleMania would work I guess should have put that in my uh fantasy booking for uh, last last week uh, show. Well, I'll tell you what, as Kenny Omega isn't coming to WWE, Cody Rhodes, <laughs> Cody Rhodes can wrestle AJ Styles and I'll put Dolph Ziggler against Roman Reigns main event night one, <laughs> night two. No, I, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. Um. <laughs> do, do you know, just very quick sort of random aside, right? That's like my ultimate nightmare of like, of letting quote unquote sort of smart fans book like a WrestleMania because I, I do think you would have there's someone out there who would book like Dolph Ziggler versus somebody as the main and fuck me would no would that be awful? No, no. but I, and I, it, I wouldn't book it as the main event either, Matt. And I, I think mean, you guys would, but yeah. I'm telling you there is somebody out there. Oh yeah, I'm sure there is. I, I kind of disagree with that. Maybe now that WrestleMania's two nights, I think if it's done right, I think you could get you could get away with it for a night one main event. I think if it's done right. And I think like I've always liked that idea that you that you that you gave Ben about the Royal Rumble, and that's what I mean. If if he did it, if he like say Dolph Ziggler and he, and he won and he come out and said right, forget I'm not Dolph Ziggler, I'm Nick Nemeth. This is my last chance, and I'm going for it. And I and, and like a proper underdog story, and I think it would. I, I think it could work as a main event night one, not night two. I, I'm what I was joking about that, but night one it could if it's done right. The day that Dolph Ziggler headlines <laughs> at WrestleMania is the day I stop watching. <laughs> no, that, well you won't 
<laughs> you watch the next WrestleMania. That's it. It's, it's, that, it's a that's, relatively. That's the, it's a relatively easy bet to make. Seeing as it's never going to happen, is it? Exactly. <laughs> but that, that's the day that I, I've officially lost touch. If that ever were to happen, sticking back in NXT, but that's where he found his, his you know, his niche. He was actually a value to them in NXT. Send him back there. I don't know what he's doing at the moment either, to be honest. So I mean, like, I, I don't even know if sending him back there is a thing that would make sense because I don't even know where he is now. So as I say, doesn't really bother me at all. I'm not I'm not an anti Ziggler person. I'm not a not a big Ziggler guy either. The thing the thing I want to mention actually about this match. I mean, the match was fine. It was uh it was six minutes long. What do you want? It, it was fine. But I do think that at this period, from about summer of 2012 to summer of 2013. For me, WWE were going through a real purple patch of good creative in general. And I don't mean maybe specific stories, but just the way they positioned a lot of the roster, I really liked. So they had, I remember in the summer of 2012, there was a load of stuff between, it might have been 2013 actually, between the Rhodes Scholars. Cody Rhodes and Damian Sandow broke up and they had just a really entertaining sort of three, four month feud that all played out on SmackDown, just entirely on SmackDown, because the roster split was kind of still there, even though it wasn't really. And they kind of just appeared on that every week and just had a really great story. But you also had the introduction of the Shield, the introduction of the Wyatt family. You had Team Hell No, even the way Dolph Ziggler here has got Biggie Langston and AJ Lee with him. I like it's a quite underrated thing and something that they for a long time didn't do. And I think it's about this time it started doing it regularly to the point where now if you look at Triple H WWE, everybody's associated with someone else, not necessarily in stables, but with partnerships or with a valet or with a manager or with or with a stable. So just a bit of a mix of it. But it's so much it makes it so much richer because there's so much more you can do. There's so many more options you've got. And so many more things that as a fan, you're kind of going, oh, I wonder what might happen with those two or what might happen with this group or whatever. And they just they had that going on with lots and diff- lots of different people at this time. I really liked a lot of what they were doing in terms of just the positioning of different wrestlers. Not as they're not necessarily the stories, although there were some great stories, but just more about the acts and there being very specific types of acts, even the, down to the fact that the Shield and the Wyatt family, even though they're both trios, completely different types of trios in that in the white family bray was obviously the leader and it was all about him the shield was all about all three of them and i just i just love it i just thought it was really a really good time to watch wrestling this so next up and i'm sure this is another big bit of matt's enjoyment fandango comes out in front of the crowd and does some ballroom dancing um as other ballroom dancers perform a little routine this is obviously uh, vince mcmahon kind of trying to cash in on the dancing with stars thing the whole fandango character we then get a video package of jericho consistently consistently pronouncing fandango's name incorrectly in a variety of quote-unquote funny ways and then fandango uh, attacking jericho after a match on raw That all builds to Fandango versus Chris Jericho, a match that lasts just over nine minutes and ends when Jericho goes for a lion's salt. Fandango gets his knees up, but Jericho avoids them, tries to apply another walls of Jericho, but uh, Fandango counters with an inside cradle and gets the pin. Matt, what did you make of this one? Uh, Jericho versus Fandango, eat my baby. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, <laughs> what, what a riot this was. I, I'll try to, to go with the, the positive stuff first. I mean, it's a ballsy move to try to get a newcomer over at your biggest show of the year in this manner against somebody like Jericho. So do you know what? Props to them for actually trying to do something with somebody and make a star with them. 
ultimately, God bless him. I think it's safe to say at this point, I'm not really sure the investment was worth it. I mean, depending on how many fans of the fashion files are really out there, who knows? But I'm not sure it was overall worth it. Jericho worked his ass off, I'll say that. He he definitely really did work his absolute bollocks off to try and get something half-decent out of him. But this was pretty much, it was Jericho getting pretty much the majority of the match until the roll-up for the win. I mean, fair play, Fandango used the, excuse me, the, the leg drop as his finisher, which, oh my God. No, just don't. Go ask Matt Hardy. I'm sure he'll tell you that that's you know, not a good idea in the long run. The only sort of thing that came from this was Fandango's five minutes of fame sort of in the UK because of the crowd the next night on the Raw, you know, did doing the dance to his theme song, which, Christ, that actually did the frigging charts at one point. Well done, fans. But, as, you know, as a match goes, uh, not not particularly great. I love Fandango, Fandango's music, and uh, I when I went to watch WWE on a house show in November of this year, I uh, was still desperate for the Fandango thing to happen. It didn't really. There were like, a few kids doing it, and I was like, ah, "Come on, let's do all the da 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 da." But it really didn't. Yeah, it really didn't. It wasn't quite as widespread as I was hoping for. But uh, yeah, I loved it. I just loved it. Right. I mean, first of all, uh, it's first time that I'm speaking about Jericho. So Jericho is my favourite wrestler of all time. You said this the other day and I suddenly felt really bad because I've been quite, yeah, no, uh, quite harsh towards Jericho. Do you know what? And do, do you know what? It's weird because he's not the best. Like I've said, best and favourite is different. He's my favourite wrestler of all time. But I don't actually kind of disagree with everything that you said. I think that you did make some pretty good points. It was it was the vignettes in 99, and as soon as they come up, I was hooked. I was just desperate to know who that was, and and I was just hooked from then. I was just hooked. You know, I, I personally have always enjoyed most of his matches. Yeah, he's had crap matches, don't get me wrong. Um, and he's the only reason that I started watching AEW at the start, because of uh, the main, not the only reason, but the main reason, because, I, you know, he's my favourite. I just didn't have time to keep up with it. Did you know who he was supposed to be originally wrestling at this mania? No, no, I don't. Right, Ryback. Oh God, he was supposed to be wrestling Ryback, and oh, it, there yeah, was a, yeah, yeah. Last, a last-minute change. But the feud was started with Fandango because people couldn't say his name correctly. Now I sympathise with Fandango because my last name is Kirkman, and it grinds my gears when people call me Kirkham. It really pisses me off. <laughs> it really does my head in. So I do sympathise with him a little bit, but it's what a terrible reason to have a feud. And it, it what well, yeah, it's not it's immature and it's not funny. But the thing is, is if you think about it, Jericho was on Dancing on Dancing with the Stars. The feud writes itself. All it needed was it basically could I mean, I don't think that there was a lot of build for this one. Maybe one, maybe two weeks. All it needed was to fan, for Fandango to come out and keep doing his thing, you know, leading up to it, just keep doing his Fandango business. And then he could attack Jericho completely like just kick the shit out of him after a match and just say that that he was a wrestler that entered the dancing world and embarrassed himself because I think he got voted off second or third on that show. And so now I'm a dancer and I'm entering the wrestling world and I'm going to give a good account of myself. And that's it. That's it. The feud's there. 
And listen, it's not perfect, but it's damn sight better than the fact that you get people pronouncing his bloody name wrong. You know, I was even questioning when you were talking about whether or not he did Dancing with the Stars after, but it was before. It was, and I was yeah. like, the reason I was questioning, I was like, surely they would have just done it, wouldn't they? If that's what right. it. Yeah, yeah, it was before. <laughs> Unbelievable, shit. isn't it? So it's terrible to play it for him and that, and they went down that oh, shit. But, I, you know, the match itself, I've hardly got anything. I'll always pop for a Jericho entrance. Ben, for me, the best entrance of all time. Fireworks look amazing going off uh, around the stadium. The Literally, the two notes that I've got are shoulder turnbuckle spot. No one can do it as good as Hawk. Mm. And botch for the lion salt and the roll up was messy. A shame because it wasn't a bad match. Again, just that it was an, it was all right. It was an average match, really. I've never met anyone whose uh, favourite wrestler is Chris Jericho before. So fascinating yeah. to me. I thought this was all right, this match. I've written better than expected. I don't think that was due to either man in particular. I thought they were fine, both of them. I thought they pretty, had a pretty, pretty decent contest. I was happy with this. I, I was expecting this to be really shit, and it wasn't. I, I quite enjoyed it. So, but I mean, it's a difficult character to get over in 2013. Might have worked in the 80s um, or even the 90s, but... Uh, by this point yeah it was unlikely to get over and i also think that wrestling fans of the last 20 years have been quite naturally cynical for anyone that gets a big push out of nowhere and that's kind of what happened here so he was always up against it but i i didn't i didn't hate this uh, match at all the the build-up on the other hand i thought was terrible and i thought this again sorry sorry about this um alex i'm going to feel like i'm having to apologize to you now every time no, I just thought I this was just so typical Jericho, to be honest. That was really typical Jericho. Like, oh, I'm really funny. No, you're really not. And you're really like, it goes back to that promo which he did. I can't remember what it was now. But it was so lame. They did. Oh, when was it? Oh, we had a bit of an argument about it, man. I can't remember what it was now. It was when he was doing the... Okay, it was before a match. It was before... It was, he was in the ring before a match. And he was doing the never, ever. And it was just so forced and, like, lame. I, I, oh. Against... Not the Edge one, but against Edge at Mania. So I can't remember what match yeah. it was now. But whatever it was, it was just... Yeah, it was the, it was the same. It was the same feeling I got from, from this. After this, we get footage of the pre-show. The Miz versus Wade Barrett for Barrett's Intercontinental title. Miz wins with a figure four. Then we get another video hyping the main event, which we all discussed. And then a video plays with music from Rocky highlighting WrestleMania matches, which I thought was quite cool. And then that turned into a P. Diddy song, which used that Rocky song as a sample. It wasn't the uh, it wasn't the main Rocky song, but they also the worst part about it was that the sample has a moment where the orchestra properly kicks in and like becomes really kind of sweeping and exciting. And that's the bit where the sample cuts and goes back to the start of the sample. It's a really long sample they use, and it stops just before the best bit of the song. And I was like, fucking hell, put that bit on. Then we get Diddy doing basically what we've seen others do. Kid Rock, for example, do. <laughs> just, a, just a, what's the word I'm looking for? Fucking hell, my mind's going mad today. Uh, a a, melod- a med- medley, that's the word I'm trying to find, a medley of songs. And Forms Coming Home, of course, which is the, the song for the show. Uh, after this, there's a hype video for Zeb Coulter uh, cutting a racist promo. Um, Swagger winning Elimination Chamber to win a shot at Alberto Del Rio's World Heavyweight title. And Del Rio, newly babyface, cuts a babyface pro-US promo. What do you want? You can pick anything you want from all that. Uh, I've given you about four different things all at once. I just quickly wanted to comment on on Diddy's lifeless performance of I'm Coming Home. I was I was rather disappointed. Fair enough. I just put P Diddy performance okay. It was all right. Kid, Kid Rock did far better. 
No, he didn't. They're both completely shit. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, you know, again, it's not necessarily that they're shit. Actually, it's, I know I, that's not fair to either Kid Rock or P D P Diddy. It's just I'm not here to listen to them play music. I, it kind of came out of nowhere as well. I just saw he's playing a song and he's playing another one. I was like, oh shit, why, why is he? Why? <laughs> I was like, at least give us like a bit of advanced warning or something. I did. I said I did like the start of it where they were just playing this really great piece of rocky music and then it kind of was showing like almost black and white i think it was clips of past matches i thought oh this is this is cool i like this let's, let's just do this for three minutes it's really lovely and then no anything you want to pick out alex that video i can't remember that video at all well it's not i mean it's it's it's, it's, it's really part of the performance but it, you kind yeah. of you don't when, when it first starts you don't actually know it's part of the performance and that's why yeah. it kind of comes out of nowhere because you're kind of like in the midst of seeing these sort of stills of past wrestlemania matches so then we've got um, Alberto Del Rio versus Jack Swagger for the World Heavyweight title. A ten and a half minute match. Del Rio applies a cross arm breaker and gets the win by submission in this one. I'm going to talk about this a little bit because, first of all, I hated, hated the whole Jack Swagger and Zeb Coulter thing. Just shit. Go away. Don't want any part of this at all. If I'm being kind to WWE, I think originally it was a ham-fisted attempt to be, to make a babyface latino star against a racist heel and portray the babyface as sympathetic and these guys as being the the lowest of the low but as time wore on first of all their we the people thing a lot of crowd people started to to chant along with it they they started to say we the people i think in in some cases it was just misguided wrestling fans cheer go talking along with a with a catchphrase but there were certainly going to be elements of the crowd who just liked the message which is just awful and obviously since then since this time it, it become quite a mainstream part of american politics the idea that immigration was a bad thing from from the southern border and it was out of control and some of the things they've caught said about uh, latinos are, are now part of what the public conscious is when it comes to immigration from mexico so another reason to dislike it ultimately on top of all that this was fucking shit this match it was absolutely shit like it i think it was the worst match on the card actually i really do i think it's worse than ryback and mark henry i just thought they were just dreadful i just i thought they were both absolutely dreadful i'm not sure that either of them well i say that i'm not sure that's true i was gonna say i'm not sure either of them really had much of a uh, of a fondness for the story either but i saying that i'm not sure that's true i just think they were shit <laughs> i just think they were both really bad in this yeah just the whole thing just was not good again before the match in the ring Zeb Carter cuts another racist promo on in this occasion talks about new york and calls out hispanics italians greeks and jews so again just i mean like what were they thinking just really fucking awful eventually What's really weird is I think eventually about 18 months after this, Seb Coulter and Del Rio would become a pairing, which, again, I'm not really sure what the hell that was, that was about. But, yeah, um, shit. <laughs> uh, I, I love that. I mean, yeah. What, what else do you say to it? I mean, this is I've said this before. This is the company that so desperately want to win an Emmy. And, <laughs> you know, this is the stuff they come up with. I forgot this was even on the show. I forgot this match even existed, to be perfectly honest, until it happened. And, and yeah, it just, this has no place um, on a show, on a, just on any show, really. I was going to say on a mainstream show. It just has no place. 
and so you know in wrestling today really it's just there's just no need for it there's there's other ways you can get heat and that for god's sake it's just, you don't need to to go to those lows to get it it's just so cheap and this really goes back to really old school like, like bad old school days you just you just don't need it yeah. I, i'm gonna i'm gonna pick you up on that though because i don't know if this is old school especially as they're trying i think they would do this in the other way in old school you know i gotta be honest if you go back to the 70s i think you'd probably find that del rio being the sneaky foreigner would be the would be the heel and i don't think they'd be quite so overtly racist with the zeb colter character but i think that would be the the under underlying thing would be that the foreigner is bad and he's coming in here and doing sneaky stuff so i i'd, I'd slightly argue that, that it's an old school thing it's just a it's, for me and i've said this before wrestling is not capable of the subtlety required in order to tell a story like this it's just not capable of it not because wrestling is stupid but because the format itself doesn't lend itself to this kind of attempt to make a statement and i don't think they really were making a statement they were just trying to they just wanted to be kind of controversial whilst also being on the side of political correctness, which is just nuts. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a fair point. Um, and I mean, like match quality wise, I mean, I think that for me, it was it was OK. I mean, the, the, the problem was that this was for the World Heavyweight Championship. You take that out of the equation. I'm not saying that that would make this a good match, but it, I think it'd make it a hell of a lot more passable than what it was. I mean, the fact that this was meant to be, you know, supposedly one of the main events for the world title severely hindered it because it just this wasn't world title caliber in the slightest. So, again, like I said, I'm not saying it makes a world of difference, but it certainly makes a slight bit had they taken that off. But, yeah, I mean, it's just... This is something I I could see them if this was just a mid card match underneath again. It's it's not something storyline wise that that I would have been into, but I just think it would have been better all rounded in Nobin for the fact that it was for the world title. But you know it, it was it was okay at best. I mean like I I do have to say that if ever there's a character that they drop the ball with in just monumental fashion. It's Alberto Del Rio. Like, to this day, I remember seeing his vignettes on SmackDown um, when they were getting ready to uh, to debut him, and I thought, this guy's going to be big. Love it. Love the character. Love the gimmick. I think it's fantastic. And, boy, did they just shit the bed with him in every conceivable way. Yeah, I mean, Uh, we talked about that during WrestleMania 27, didn't we? Yeah. You should just beat an edge. It was his destiny. He kept talking about it being his destiny. That was it. Once he once he didn't win it, it was he was finished. It was finished after that. But he's a cunt though. So but yeah, he is apparently real. <laughs> and that probably didn't help his chances. Yeah, the 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 politics side of it has been covered miles better than I would have done. Uh, so um, it just made me feel really uncomfortable. I didn't like it. Didn't like the video. Didn't like the promo. The thing what kind of amazed me the most about this was, and I, I kind of understand why they did it, but I'd have just picked someone else, but why Del Rio is a face. He's never a face in a, in a million years. He oozes being a heel. He looks like a heel and he's a cunt. So he's a heel. Kind of understand why they did it, but for it... It's it's just a nonsense for me. He's you should have. Oh, he's one of them. He's one of them wrestlers that he's just a heel. Should always be a heel. I think what happened is because they didn't give him the title at WrestleMania 27, they didn't know where else to go with him after that. And then they were like, well, we could turn him babyface. See what happens there. And well, just, I I agree with you. I agree yeah. with you. He should never have been one. But I think that's what it is. I think it's just a consequence of. Oh, we've, we've, we have shit the bed, like you said, Matt. Yeah. 
how can we use him now? I will try try him as a he, uh, baby face. Right. They had him run over Santa on a Christmas episode of Raw, for <laughs> yeah. fuck's sake. Just everything um, about everything about him is a heel. His music, the entrance with the car, everything. I know he didn't have the car this time, but just well, his entrance with this with this personal ring announcer is heel. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> of course it is. Yeah. Just regarding the match, nobody cares. The crowd are very quiet. I did enjoy. There's a couple of bits that I enjoyed. I enjoyed the hand stamp on Zeb Coulter. You know, when he, he, he had his hands on the apron and he just walks past and stamps. I quite like that bit. I thought it was pretty good. But there's a lot of things that I didn't like. Uh, first of all, did anyone notice the arrow up caution blue blazer sign? No. Yeah, on this match. Yeah, yeah. saw that in this sign. So if you're listening, you're a horrible piece of shit. The we want tables, why? People shouting we want tables. I get that they're bored, but we want tables, why? Fucking pointless. It just felt really flat. And I've put, it's possibly because it's essentially heel versus heel. I mean, I know that he's presented as a babyface, but he's a heel, isn't he? You know, so maybe that'd be why. Um, did anyone notice Del Rio's snots that were coming out of his, oh, <laughs> out no. of his nose? Oh, he's minging. Yeah, reversal into the arm bar was pretty good. It came out of nowhere, but quite anticlimactic. And I didn't hate it as much as you, Ben. Probably below average for me. But they should have done the cashing. They should have done the cashing here, I think. I think it's wasted opportunity they should have done that Dolph Ziggler cash and I know that was going to come back to it and I think it would have been perfect for you perfect yeah I think so but again again having told that story I don't think they can do it like they've just told the story of the racist guy going up against the Latino guy the Latino guy getting the victory is not a very good visual then for someone else to run in attack the Latino guy beat him and everyone cheer like it just it doesn't well, it's not the visual you want is it it's a bit oh god i know that's just wrestling but again visual is just is everything and it's just not i good. mean i'll rephrase that they shouldn't have done the casting the night after if they were going to do it the night after they should have done it now i i, I think if they're going to do it the night after they should have done it now well uh, but that's uh, my point is that they couldn't do it because of the story i think they would have but, done it if they hadn't told that story I think the story was like, you can't do that. You can't have the the Latino guy beat the racist guy and then the, the Latino guy get beaten by another guy who fans cheer. You can't you can't present that. But then the day after, Del Rio, who does he fight? Does he fight Swagger again the day after? Possibly, he gets, in, he gets injured. He's like injured. And then yeah. that's when Zick. So like it's... it's oh, maybe. I just think that... I just think you can't do it. I, and I think... I, don't, I can't remember the exact circumstances of how it happened on Raw. Mm. But hopefully it wasn't didn't have before the match of Coulter being racist and then a, a video where they show him being racist and all the rest of it. He probably caught up Romo if it were him. But, but anyway, yeah, below average. Yeah, a bit boring. But this this is a time when they were obviously trying desperately to find other people to win the Rumble. This is why Sheamus won it the year before, why Del Rio won it another year. I can't remember what year it was, but he won it another year. Man Rumble, yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah. With the Sheamus thing, like it was spaffed on the first match of WrestleMania. Yeah. Again, it took away from the Rumble win, basically, because the idea is the Rumble win should be for the main event of WrestleMania. I know we're kind of past that, but still, I just feel like you've got two titles, and I know you don't want to necessarily repeat stuff that you've done before, but the year Sheamus won it, like, Jericho could have won the Rumble. Like, there's been no problem with Jericho winning that, and that would have made for a better Rumble winner. Anyway, just feels like a bit like they were just doing that. But again, also, they, they must have really been high on Jack Swagger. Because they gave him this whole renewed push as part of this. They obviously thought it was going to work well. And they had him in the World Heavyweight title match at WrestleMania. As memory serves as well, I think he was supposed to win this match. But he didn't he do something just shortly before WrestleMania? He had a DUI, I think. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be right. Ah, yes, he did. He did. 
So I think yeah. even so they they had a big they were big on him until he obviously did that and uh, ruined his chances of whatever he you know was what? going to do. I wonder if they were going to do the cashing then if he did win it. No, maybe but not. Ziggler was a heel though, so I'm not convinced that would have worked either. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, after after this abomination, we get uh, Justin Roberts welcoming the New Jersey National Guard members in the audience. Then we get the hype video for the Undertaker, CM Punk staff, Living Color. Undertaker versus CM Punk. After the Undertaker CM Punk stuff, we get an advert from Mick Foley's For All Mankind DVD. If anyone's seen that, I haven't. Probably, um, I've probably got it. <laughs> and then we get another video, this one about John Cena. We talked about that a little bit. Then we get Michelle Beadle from NBC Sports shown in the car. I was like, who the fuck is this? I don't care. And then there's the hype video for Triple H and Brock Lesnar. Triple H being beaten at SummerSlam and having his arm broken by Brock Lesnar, then Lesnar attacking Vince, Triple H calling out Lesnar, Heyman telling Triple H that he has to sign a contract and then he'll reveal the stipulation after he signed the contract for the match. Heyman is attacked by Triple H after he pushes his luck with Triple H. Heyman then revealing that the stipulations are that the match will be no disqualification and if the Triple H loses, he'll have to retire. Shawn Michaels comes out first and I've got a question, which is why the fuck is he here? What's he doing? I don't like I don't understand why Shawn Michaels here. And then we get the match. Triple H versus Brock Lesnar. It's a twenty-four minute match and it ends when Triple H hits Lesnar with a pedigree on top of the steel steps and then pins him. Alex, what did you think of this match? The video with the brawl, um, that's the one where Triple H pisses himself, isn't it? I don't know, I've not heard this. Yeah, one. yeah. So so the brawl that the yeah, yeah. So the brawl on Raw when he comes when he when he's in his jeans, he pisses his pants. <laughs> What? Honest, honest to God, I swear down, honest to God. And I remember watching it and thinking, as he, as he's, he's got wet on his pants, and then he, he, yeah, he does. I think he put social media was that a massive thing then? But anyway, he, 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 yeah, he did. He pissed his pants in that bro. Anyway, another uh, excellent video package. Feels really personal. Uh, I've got about HBK, and I love it in the last WrestleMania that somebody brought this up. Why is he prancing about like a knob? It's supposed to be really personal. He should be focused. He shouldn't be prancing around like a knobhead. It just makes him look rubbish, I thought. It's terrible. Brock Lesnar, I mean, I'll always be impressed with Brock Lesnar with very lots. He's just a legitimate threat for anyone. He, 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 you, you believe he could literally kill someone. He just makes it everything, feel, like just the presence of him just makes everything feel real. With regards to Triple H, it's funny because when I was watching the match, I thought that he was phoning it in a lot. And he seemed really distracted. And like I said, after I watched the the Manias, I'll go on the Wikipedia page. And um, it might be the fact that he got third degree burns from the dry ice. Yeah. Yeah. So it totally, it explains it. It explains it. So uh, obviously with the entry. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Because I I noticed it in the entrance that it comes out on his side and he's got a big white patch on his side. And I noticed it then. Didn't really think anything of it. I just thought, I just didn't think anything of it. And then it's only when I read the Wikipedia, I thought, well, that explains it. That explains why he's he he seems to be forming it in. Because you you would be. (laughs) You would be if you've uh, you've been burnt. I noticed as it came down and I thought, oh, this is obviously when he gets the burns. And then you can see him when he's... He's obviously got his water, and there's a, the bit when he gets up on the apron to do his spit spot. He kind of puts more in his mouth, and then immediately pours loads of it over his over his torso because it's, yeah, he's he obviously on it, fire. Yeah. yeah. Um. So you can you can yeah you can see that he's and then actually as the match goes on you can see he's got he's quite dark patches on his stomach area. 
do you know, I didn't, I, it's, I, I didn't pick up on any of that. I, I, I did pick up on the fact that he just, see, he didn't seem him, he didn't seem himself. Not that I know him, but he just didn't seem <laughs> himself when he's when he's wrestling. Um, and then obviously when I read about that, it explained it. Yeah, the match again, very average, very average. I must admit, it it was better than I thought it was going to be, but it should have been a lot better than it was. The crowd again, very quiet. I think the crowd was shit throughout throughout the night. To be honest with you. The, the Punk Taker match, I thought they were good in the Punk Taker match. They was pretty good for Jericho and from the end of the end of the main event, they were pretty decent. Yeah, I, I just think for, for like, you know, most of them are going to be New Yorkers, so quite loud people. I thought it, that they should have been a lot better. And, and it, I was listening to one of Stephen's podcasts, I think he had Justine on it, and they were saying that, uh, I think it was Justine that was saying that she thinks that American fans have just become a bit entitled now because they obviously get mania every year and they're not as good as they once were. Maybe, you know, I did have a bit of a thought that obviously, hopefully it's going to come to London. I think it will. And maybe they should just take it to other countries as well. Maybe do do one in Tokyo, maybe do one in Germany, you know. The only reason I challenge that is because clearly there were a lot of international fans at this WrestleMania. And that's why the following night on Raw was was an absolute party. Yeah, yeah, So So I'm not so sure that that's a particularly fair accusation because yeah. like i said there would have been a lot of british people a lot probably german people there you know, a lot of international people have flown in for that show and they do every year so i i don't know i don't know if that's fair but they would there would have been more americans really because sure, obviously I mean, it's wrestlemania and then they're not going to go to raw whereas people have come from another country they think well i'm going to go to raw as well no so. sure but but even if you've got fifteen thousand in a you know, a crowd of eighty thousand, they can still generate the noise, and they're just isn't they aren't they aren't doing it here. <laughs> I agree, yeah. the crowd are bad, but I don't think it's fair to to level that at just the the local fans. Um, Moss not this time, but from Lesnar. I don't know if you noticed that. <laughs> um, and again, again, I winced when he the, when he landed on his neck when he was thrown over the barricade. I, oh God, I, I just can't stand watching stuff like that now. I got really bored near the end. The Kamara lock on the stairs was just tedious. It just went on and on and on and on and on. But yeah, overall, really, again, better than I thought it was going to be. But it should have been a lot better. It was very average. This is an interesting one, this match, because I don't think it's one that history has been very kind to, looking back on it. And I'm not sure that that's fair, to be perfectly honest. No doubt the crowd were almost, in fact, I'd I'd argue that they were completely burned out post-Punk and Undertaker. I feel the only reason they made any, you know, they made slight bit of noise during the main event is because they were thinking, it's The Rock we've got to, you know, try and muster something. And I do felt they were quite quiet during that as well. So from Punk taken onwards, I felt the crowd w- were virtually asleep. And no matter what happened, very little was going to get them going. This, I felt story-wise, this was great. It was a really good follow-up from the SummerSlam match where Brock, you know, broke Triple H's arm, you know, I think it was like twice over the space of a couple of months, broke Shawn Michaels' arm. Uh, obviously, it was Triple H after revenge for it. They did loads of, you know, counters and twists and turns in regards to both of them getting the Kimura on each other, which I thought was great. You know, Lesnar battered the shit out of him for a good 15, 10, 15 minutes towards the start, which just made him look like a fucking monster. I, I mean, you know, you, you said, Alex, when he came out, he, he did look like he could just 
beat up anybody. And he does have that legitimate background because obviously at one point he was, quote, the baddest man on the planet. But the crowd, just they just didn't care. And I feel it's such a shame because I feel that the work was there. They, they both guys really put the work in and he just, they weren't getting anything back. Now, in all fairness, I, I can imagine Triple H being uh, probably being pissed about, about the ice instead. But in equal measure, I can imagine thinking, what the fuck is that? You know, we're doing everything here and it's just, they're just not budging. So I, I could see him being pissed off with that as well. But yeah, like I said, I just felt that they really did put an awful lot of work in there. There, there was some really good stuff, you know, some really stiff suplexes. You know, the, the stuff, you know, with, with the, on the steel steps was really good. There's a little bit of a sort of miscommunication, I think, where at one point I think Lesnar was meant to have been DDT'd, but they, I think they kind of passed it off as that, but it just looked like um, Lesnar dropped Triple H on there, something like that. But yeah, it's just... This is, and again, it's, I, I guarantee, I guarantee old man fucking hated this. Because, uh, and I can kind of see, and I can kind of see why he would, because this is the kind of Triple H sort of formula, and I quite like it. But yeah, I just, I really enjoyed it. But like I said, I, I think looking back at it, just history has not been kind to it. And the, the crowd didn't really give a shit, which is a titanic shame. When you say history hasn't been kind to it, at the time Meltzer rated this two and a half stars so it wasn't even considered particularly good back then. It's been even, 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 you know, even worse to it since then. <laughs> Maybe. I, I thought this was not very impressive as well, to be honest. The crowd were not into it. It was 24 minutes is too long for a Brock Lesnar match. It's definitely too long for a Triple H match. We have easily established that by now for crying out loud. They may have worked hard, but I'd rather they worked smarter. I'd rather they just... I think there's a... It's it's very easy to, to blame a crowd when they're watching a match and they're being quiet and they're not kind of engaging with it. Sometimes I'm sympathetic to that view because sometimes I feel like fans are just being obstinate. I don't think that's what was happening here. I just think they weren't interested. And that is on the promotion, the production and the wrestlers themselves. If they're not interested, that's that's their fault. You can't be upset with the fans because they've not, they're not interested in what two people are putting forward. That's literally the name of the game is working the crowd into being interested. If you can't do it, it's not the fans fault that you didn't you didn't get there. And it's a good don't. point because they're interested in Punk and Taker, wouldn't they? So it's a good point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, the, you know, it's, it's that thing, you know, about how I have criticised at times the fans for being contrary and, and, and booing fave faces and, and cheering heels. But at the same time, the job of the wrestling promotion is to make the fans react in the way they want to act. And it's not just a a micro thing i.e i don't know they shouldn't they should have presented alberto del rio better as a baby face and dolph ziggler better as a heel it's about the macro things like not changing heel and baby faces all the time because if you do that you loosen the stability of your wrestling fans kind of emotions because they're like well why should i invest in this person you're telling me to invest in now who in six months you're probably going to turn heel anyway so you know it's about an overall long-term discipline of how you book and how you put together wrestling shows and, and matches that allows you to keep the fans doing the things you want them to do. And if you, if you end up losing control of that, that's your fault, not the fans fault. And so I feel that's the same with this, you know, it's not just about, this is the same for any match, any reaction to anything. As I said, there are times when the fans are being obstinate, but I think a lot of the time, if they're being obstinate, it's because you've almost trained them to realize that certain things don't even matter. You know, like there are random matches on Raw that people don't care about. The next night on Raw this particular year, 
they were pissing all over. They were like doing all kinds of chants during those matches. But you've trained them over years to realize that those matches don't mean anything. So you can't get upset when they start to, to piss all over them because they're like, well, why should we care? We know this is just a random shit match on Raw that no one's ever going to care about. So, you know, I think you said there are occasions when you can blame the fans. I don't think this is one. I think this is just they just didn't care about this match. And I can understand why. But I, and they didn't do anything, in my opinion, in this match to make it make it interesting either. They may have worked hard, but they didn't do the thing, which is work the crowd into caring about them. I, 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 I got to be honest, Ben, I, I disagree a bit with that. And I'll tell you why, because I think that the, the fans overall, they shit on The Rock and Cena too. I, I felt like I said that they there was a tiny bit of they kind of willed themselves just because it was The Rock. But for the most part, I felt that they shit on those two matches in particular because they were, no, no, they're rematches, don't want to see them. I don't think that's it. I don't think that's it. And even if it is, even if it is that they're rematches, well, then this is the this is the two biggest matches on WrestleMania. There shouldn't be rematches, should they, really? So you can't really moan about that either. But I don't think that I don't think it's a choice. That's the thing. I think I think it's a subconscious choice if it, if it is a choice, which is I just don't care. Why should I work to give WWE the presentation they want for these matches? They need to get me into it. It's not my job to get into it. It's their job to get me into it. And I think and I agree they they don't particularly come alive for John Cena versus The Rock either. They do come alive the last what, five minutes or so, but they don't really get any through most of that. They're quiet, too. But I don't think that's the fans fault. I think that's entirely on the performers. And I think it's entirely, maybe not entirely on the performance, it's entirely on the performers and WWE as a whole for the way they've booked these matches, for the way they've booked the show overall, because there's a lot of dead weight on the show as well. And also, maybe this is another argument in favour of the local crowd, is that the Undertaker CM Punk match got the noise because probably your international fans were much more interested in that match than they were in seeing Brock Lesnar, Triple H and John Cena and The Rock. It's funny as well, because obviously we've done our bonus episode. I, I, I agree with you. I do agree with you, Ben. We've done our bonus episode on WrestleMania 40, uh, Fantasy Booking WrestleMania 40. And there's three different WrestleManias there where we've had a few similar matches. But each one that we did were decent cards. And WrestleMania 40 will be nothing like the ones that we did. If they had, you know, you, you know, it, it's obviously been out now. So you two picked Sheamus versus Brock Lesnar. And so if you had 100 fans... You'd probably say, I would say probably about 20 to 25 fans probably will pick that match. So there's obviously a need for it, but they won't do it. They'll do something else that, that, that people are interested in. So, so I, I, I don't think that they listen to the fans and, and that's part of the problem they should do. And yeah, I, I, no, I, agree with, I do agree with you. I think they, they've needed to do better for a long time. Well, I think they booking. are doing better now. I think they are doing better now. Yeah, I really yeah. do think that the booking of the last... I think the booking since Triple H took over, and I'm, ne- I'm everyone knows I am not a fan of Triple H. We've discussed this multiple times. But I think the booking since Triple H has taken over has been the best booking WWE have had since the Attitude Era. I'm not even joking. I genuinely yeah. believe that. The way the booking has been, it's been a much clearer rhythm. The stories have been much richer, a bit more imagination to them. The fact that, for example, it took them till WrestleMania to get to Rey Mysterio versus Dominic Mysterio having split up in September that is really a, just a much more advanced set of booking principles than you used to get in the past they would have kept Dominic and Rey Mysterio together till February in the past because they couldn't keep the story going until Wrestlemania now they can and so I think the booking is much better but as I said I don't, whether it's good booking, bad booking, whatever, the proof is in the pudding. If the fans respond to it and if they buy it, and that's the other the counterpoint to this, they bought this 
pay-per-view in their droves. A million people bought this pay-per-view. So it was still sold big time. So they did their job in one aspect. But then in terms of the live crowd for these two matches, the two last matches on the show, they didn't. And it was partially the way they booked it, the way they presented it, and then partially what the wrestlers did in the ring that just didn't get people into it after that point. And if you are a great wrestler, and this is where I sort of level Triple H a little bit here, you overcome that. You overcome people's lack of interest before the match and you get them in as you go. They didn't do it here. And I don't think Triple H does that very often at all. I think Triple H relies on the build and his overblown entrances to get people into matches. And then he keeps them interested, but he very rarely gets people into a match that's got lack of build. And not only that, but he's had the benefit, really, of having Vince and Stephanie and everybody else's ear for the best part of 15 years to make sure he always got the most interesting build and the most interesting story. So that's why I'm not a fan of Triple H's career in general, because I think in the, in the main, he has benefited from advantages that other people haven't, and he doesn't do he doesn't make the most of it. And the, be- the, the best booking since um, the Attitude Era to now in WWE has been an NXT and again Triple H so yeah I, I agree with that I totally agree with that I mean I'm not I'm not as into the product now just through time you know I don't really watch Raw and yeah. Smackdown I'll check the highlights out and make, you know check yeah. the results out but the booking from what I believe you know from what I know is miles better than it, than it ever has been and it is Triple H it's, it's Triple I mean H. again the proof is in the pudding the Smackdown ratings this year have, have been massive they've done some tremendous television ratings compared to what they've been doing for years like it's been excellent and off the scale largely due to all the bloodline stuff but and I know some people think that went too long and whatever else but it's been a real winner and they've been doing this stuff now since like October last year with Sami Zayn and everything. So they've they basically had a year's worth of television out of this whole storyline. It's been tremendous. Yeah, I, I, the match is 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 okay, but it's but it's only okay in terms of what they do. They don't get what they want from the crowd, and that's the game. That's the whole. That is the game. You know, ironically enough. <laughs> After this, we get the highlights of the 2013 Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Our class this year is Mick Foley, Trish Stratus, Bob Backlund, Booker T, Donald Trump, and Bruno Sammartino. I'd say less Donald Trump. This is the strongest Hall of Fame lineup there's ever been. What a fucking class this mm. was, was the first thing that I thought. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree. There was an issue with Bruno Sammartino, though. What wasn't there? I didn't really have time to look it up. There was a bit of an issue with him about going into the Hall of Fame. Well, he, he, he for years was very anti WWE. He didn't like what WWE had become. He felt like it made a mockery of what he considered to be the sport. And he had a big falling out with Vince as a consequence. So Triple H in the end, again, that man was the one who reached out to him and kind of he Samartino had quite a lot of philosophical issues with the attitude era as well. He wasn't wasn't happy with the the way it had been presented. And if apparently Triple H had reached out to him and kind of showed him that it wasn't like that anymore. And so he was willing to go in. They had absolutely had to get Bruno Sammartino into the Hall of Fame. Had they not, that Hall of Fame would have no legitimacy whatsoever. It doesn't have a great deal of it now, but they <clears throat> absolutely had to get Bruno Sammartino. Without him, it was pointless. And that is why Bruno Sammartino is my MVP of the night. <laughs> okay. Also because New York was his. He owned New York. It was his it was his town. And also 11 years overall as WWE champion from two reigns. I mean, it's it's weird because you can't compare San Martino to, say, Roman Reigns or Cena or Rock or Hogan or Austin because he sold intensely in one area of, of North America. But he sold more intensely than anybody 
<laughs> for the audience that he was he was trying to attract. Didn't obviously draw the international audiences that others did, but didn't have the opportunity, and that was never his job. His job was to sell for that that area. So he's my he's my MVP. The Fink introduces the 2013 class to the live crowd. Trump gets booed. Well done, New York. And as I said, most deserving, biggest Hall of Fame class ever, I'd suggest. Then we get a video promoting WrestleMania 30 from New Orleans. And finally, Justin Roberts announces an attendance record of 80,676. A firework display then follows. And again, the stadium looks amazing. Now, this might be where the shot for the uh, signature happens, actually, I think, is this point. It's not the biggest in progress in history, though, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that would be uh, Silverdome, uh, Pontiac, Michigan, Matt. Ah, that's that's right, yeah. 90, yeah. 92,000. Of course. <laughs> well, point is, is though, I, I mean, I, don't get me wrong, I don't, I'm not saying that AEW's All In show wasn't the biggest crowd in, well, it was, it definitely wasn't the biggest crowd in wrestling. I am, because I was there, that's what I'm going with. <laughs> it definitely wasn't the biggest crowd in wrestling history, because there were two shows in, I think it was in North Korea, that were about 170,000 people, so they'll never beat that. But there weren't a paying audience, which is perhaps the the difference i'm not saying that it wasn't the biggest paid audience of all time but if you're going to question wrestlemania 3 you're going to question other such big events in wwe's history why not also question AEW <laughs> for their for their figure you know it's 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 impossible to know is the point i'm making yeah i get it just i like having bragging rights <laughs> and funny enough it might be the biggest show of all time it means fuck all now though doesn't it like they've already <laughs> moved on like it was two weeks ago they've already moved on from it i mean what a pile of shite that is anyway that brings us to the end of the show and our, our overall thoughts and any other business we've done. I think we've already told all of our MVP and matches of the night, so we're all good there. Matt, what what would give us your overall thoughts on your score out of 10? Oh, where do we go with a number for this one? Okay. Um, well, like you know, we already said, the, the best match on the show was uh, was CM Punk and Undertaker. I, I personally quite liked Brock Triple H. Cena Rock uh, was okay. You know, based on, on trying to be fair, I, I I can't say this was an overall great show, but I'm gonna balance it out, and, and I was gonna go with a half number, but seeing as if we don't, I'm gonna give it a five out of ten. I think it was it was per perfectly average show. What about you, Alex? Right, okay, so I'm going to do something a bit weird that makes sense in my head, but I'm going to rate this show without the Punk Taker match because I love that match so much. I think I would over the market. And I always, I think like when there's a good match, I think that it might bump up the, the rating a little bit. And I think that would be very unfair to do it here because this is very average. This is very, very average. With the exception of Ryback versus Mark Henry, which was crap, every match or every match was average or slightly below average, with the exception of the opener, which I thought was pretty decent apart from the ending. Um, so I'm going for a five as well. Like I say, if I, if I was to, if I was to add a mark on or two for Punk Taker, it'd be a six or a seven, and it's not a six or a seven. It, it's it's so average, it's untrue. And it, if it wasn't, if, if Punk Taker wasn't on this match on this match on this card I'd probably be looking at a bet flipping hell it would be a bet three or four but then it is very average uh, yeah I'm going to go I'll stick with a five because it's as average as average can get for me it's a clean sweep for fives out of ten then because that's what I'm giving it to I think the Undertaker CM Punk match is very far ahead of all the rest of this show I think the rest of it's not good I think the two last matches are not terrible they're passable matches but they're not Wrestlemania main event 
worthy in any way so you know had they been poor technical matches but the fans had responded to them and it had been dramatic and people have been interested then that would be fine they're not interested in them and they're not particularly great matches either so they don't really have anything going for them in my view the del rio swagger match is dreadful the henry ryback match is dreadful really like the opener quite like the jericho fandango match actually i thought that was far better than i believed it would be and that's it, really. That's the whole show. I mean, there was a tag team match in there, but that lasted sort of six minutes. I mean, this is, that's really everything. It's not a particularly great show at all. Though I, I've, I've, so I've got the cage match page for it open. And I think they've been even harsher than us on their rating. So overall, they've given it basically the same five and a half out of ten. And that's the average rating on cage match. But like, for example, the Fandango Jericho match, they've given a four and a half out of ten. They've given the tag team match a four point eight out of ten. They've given the opener five point four out of ten. Like, really low really really low scores so i don't know i think there's a i think it's a bit unfair but you know ultimately yeah this is it's pretty forgettable where that puts wrestlemania 29 in our overall league table of wrestlemanias is quite a way down as you might imagine still quite a few above it though uh, below it sorry so it's 2 11 27 4 9 1 12 16 are all below this but above it are 6 7 18 26 13 5 8, 20, 15, 14, 3, 28, 23, 22, 10, 25, 24, 21, 19, and 17. So quite a lot above it. It's sort of about three quarters of the way down the list now. WrestleMania 1 should be above that. It's a travesty that it's not. Well, you know why it's not? That's your fault. It's all Matt's fault. fault. Because WrestleMania 1 was a pile of shit. That's why. (laughs) I think in fairness, our rating wasn't brought down that much by Matt because I think me and old man did slightly compensate for Matt's rating on it, to be honest. I think both of us might have gone down a rating or two. Had Matt been giving it a two or a three out of ten, I think we would have probably come down a rating or two. I think I'd have given it a ten if I'd have gone after Matt just to, <laughs> get, just to cancel Most it. miserable experience of oh, a show no. ever. No. But you were on WrestleMania 2, weren't you? Yeah, but just, like, I don't know what it was, just coming away from the first WrestleMania, you just, just made me angry. I think if you watched it again now, you wouldn't hate it as much because you've seen WrestleMania 2. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Which is still the absolute dead last of the of the lot. Right, guys. Well, Alex, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, no problem. Do you know how you say I've always got something to plug? I have got something to plug, yeah, if that's so. all right. Yeah, uh, yeah, sorry about this. So um, a friend of mine and uh, also another friend of the show, Stephen Grimshaw, a.k.a. Stevie G., is just starting to, uh, or he's just started training to be a wrestler. Uh, no, he hasn't. That's a lie. A referee, sorry, a referee. And he is refereeing a show at GPW, Only the Strong Survive. It's on Sunday, the 15th of October at the Monaco Ballroom in Wigan. So any fans in the Northwest, doors open at three o'clock. Tickets are pretty decent price, actually. Sixteen seventy-five for an adult and then a family. I'm going with the missus and two of the kids, Heidi and James. 44 quid for a family ticket. They're celebrating the 10-year anniversary and their first champion was Chris Hero, a.k.a. Cassius Ono. So support your indie wrestling. I'll be there. So if, if you're there, I'll hopefully I'm going I'm to try and get an RWR t-shirt. I'm trying to get older one. Uh, so come and have a chat and have a beer with us. But yeah, support indie wrestling. It's going to be a great show uh, and get yourself down there for anyone in the Northwest that's listening. 
I hope they give you a ten percent discount to make that plug. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I should, yeah, I should. I, well, I'll pay for my tickets already. Actually, I'm gonna, uh, I'll get a beer out of them at least. And Matt, thank you for your contributions as well. Pleasure as always, gentlemen. I have absolutely fuck all to promote. Although, if you, if you want some absolute random crap, follow me on Twitter at MattRob90. Saying that, I may, depending on the date of the recording of the next show, I may have some notes on the uh, New Japan Royal Quest show, which I'm going to see in London with Stephen Coriander, as it happens. So but perhaps may have some notes on that by the time I come back. Well, New Japan certainly don't need any plugging from us. That's for definite. So we won't worry about them. Uh, I will say, Matt, your beard is making you look a lot like Seamus at the moment. It's quite, quite <laughs> emphatically ginger. It, <laughs> it is very ginger. I know. I was going to shave it today, but uh, I'll keep it going. <laughs> this has been the Random Wrestling Room. We'll be back again next week with I don't know what, but something. And then in two weeks' time, no, I do know what, because it's our repost of WrestleMania 30 next week, of course. The repost of WrestleMania 30 that we did way back in 2021, and then in two weeks is WrestleMania 31 as the WrestleMania series gets closer and closer to its conclusion, although still some way away. Yeah. We'll see you then. Take care. Bye.